The Wes Buck Show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023, and I welcome you to what I believe to be the most exciting talk show in the history of drag racing talk shows. There's not been a whole lot of them, but this is definitely the best one in the world, or at least that's our feelings around here. Thank you guys so much for joining us. As always, it is our duty, it's our pleasure, it's our honor and privilege to join you each and every week right here on the Drag Illustrated Facebook page and YouTube channel to talk shop, tell stories, spread the gospel of drag racing. We've got a big show lined up for you guys today. In just a little bit, we're going to be joined by NHRA Pro Stock Phenom Camry Caruso, fresh off her Rookie of the Year award-winning season. We're also going to check in with Pro Nitrous, PDRA Pro Nitrous superstar Jay Cox, and 2022 Drag Illustrated Promoter of the Year, you know him as the man behind the scenes at, Vic at uh, Bradenton Motorsports Park, the one and only Victor Alvarez. But before we get any further along, let me go ahead and introduce my uh, cohorts here on the West Buck Show, the ones and onlys, Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson. What's up, boys? You both a little under the weather? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. My go gosh, on. you guys got to take better care of yourselves. Yeah, we don't, man. We're on the JT yeah, usually, lifestyle plan. Man, usually I just have the brown bottle, bottle flu, but this is... I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I wasn't no, going to say anything. No, this is a legit, like, cold. Yeah, it's not It's not just a hangover or something. <laughs> he does this conveniently on Wednesdays, and he comes, man, I don't I don't know if, yeah. I, if, if I start sounding <laughs> bad, just take me off. When we officed out of the same building, it was unbelievable how many Mondays he would come in and, like, try to convince me that his allergies are bothering him. <laughs> like, man, I just... I don't feel very good this today. And I'm like, yeah. Did you like party till 4 a.m.? Like, well, I mean, yeah, but but I always do that. You know, I think this is kind of my allergies <laughs> flaring up. You know, that's nothing new. That's how, about the, how about the PRI where he spent the entire show in the hotel? I was, we, I, we were I all was very sick. concerned about yeah, that. Yeah, I was sick. I, I missed the party. Uh, I missed our party. That and, is crazy. Um, I, was, I, I, just, I just had him clean around me. Mike was like, <laughs> how'd the room get clean? I'm like, I told her just clean around me. <laughs> and he's like you did i'm like yeah i mean oh my gosh it's, it's never a dull moment rooming with jt we should dude. like give that away as some kind of contest deal you get yeah. to room with jt at yeah, they, pri or yeah, they, they, go, they go home after pri or something they look their wife in the face and they've got like one eyebrow <laughs> you know <laughs> black magic marker oh, know, their wife's, man. the wife's picking them up at the hospital yeah <laughs> It's terrible, man. It, it's fun. It, but it's an experience. Staying with you is always fun, man. I don't really uh, – I get a kick out of it almost every time it ends like, up being I just worth like, it. I don't like to – I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, being somewhere and then going, yeah, I'm going to go back to my motel room and sit there for a few hours and then go to bed. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, it just it doesn't – the thought doesn't even cross my mind. It's like, we don't okay, do what that. are we going to do? You we know? don't do that here at DI. I always joke that Wes is like, all right, guys uh, – we got about three minutes. You guys want to uh, head up to the room, shower, change, and, and be back down here in you know, three to four minutes? And we're like, yeah, all right. So, I mean, there's You know where I learned time. that? No I learned that from Danny Rowe. I remember whenever I was running around with Danny Rowe, uh, for those that don't know, uh, we get to telling uh, 
like uh, what stories and not everybody knows the details. So uh, early on in the Drag Illustrated, you know, kind of experience this project, one of the ways that I would get myself to races is I would travel around. I would follow Danny Rowe and his NHRA ProMod team prior to NHRA race and IHRA race and went all over creation uh, racing with Danny, working as like basically the team's PR guy because I was trying to build my business and I needed to go to these races. So I was kind of doing both. I'd go to the races, handle Danny's PR stuff, but also, you know, work on stories and, and build relationships for Drag Illustrated. Uh, it was actually a super valuable experience for me because honestly, I don't think there would have been any other way for me to get to the races. I mean, even back then when travel was like half of what it is now, this shit, I mean, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would think about that a lot. You know, yeah. you think about how much money you spend on airfare or even gas. Back then, I was driving all over in my Lumina, my little Chevy Lumina, all over creation going to these races. But anyways, I got to go in quite frequently with Danny Danny Rowe, who was really running well in IHRA Pro Modified and then made the jump to NHRA Pro Modified, shark-infested waters, was doing the full pull, 10 to 12 races each season. And I kind of learned that from him because we'd get back from the track and it was almost unbelievable. Danny would do the same thing. He'd be like, hey, Wes, uh, you know, let's go uh, get freshen up and uh, meet back downstairs in like four minutes. And I'm like, you know, and I remember like getting into the elevator and I would be already like sweating because I knew how fast I was going to have to do sweating. Like, just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. It's like, okay, pushing the door on the shut on the elevator. Cause it never failed that I'd get upstairs. You know, I'm like hoo, 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 trying to take a shower and, you know, get cleaned up. Cause you've been sweating, walking all over the racetrack, you know, and then it never failed. I'd get down, I'd get back downstairs and I'm like, peacocking like man i did full tilt boogie seven minutes back out the door change clothes get downstairs danny was always already there always <laughs> every time he'd be downstairs and he'd be like hey man uh, are, are you ready and i'm like what? i couldn't have gotten ready any quicker than i just did man jeff uh, owen says it takes more than four minutes to properly install hair gel so I mean, <laughs> it takes like yeah well and you know here's a whole other thing about hair gel for those that are in the business that fight this battle that i fight if the water is different from hotel to hotel, right? So then you get that, like, you know, when it's like the soft water or hard water, you know what I mean? And it like rent your hair rinses different. Oh, and then if it's humid, right? Like some days I can Getting spike my hair right up, tips. Yeah. just like that. Two seconds. That damn, that but then there are some water. days, dude, I'm telling you, there have been times that I've like tried to get my hair to do what it's supposed to do. And it won't do it. And I've had to literally start over. Like, rinse my hair back out, wash it, dry it. So that's why in. that's why all the shampoo's gone. If you room the with shampoo's West, gone because I'm paying for the room. Bring your own. So I shampoo. use all the shampoo I want and, and hide. Yeah, hide a washcloth or two. <laughs> if, if you ever want a washcloth, because it takes like ten showers a day. So three, yeah. two to three. I mean, he'll, he'll even come to your room to like grab something. And then you'll notice that your washcloths are gone. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. it, no. I, well, I've thought about it a couple of times, you know, but hey, man, what's wrong with personal hygiene? I think that's something that's going on in this day and age. Like I just it feels like the more I go out in the world, showers and like taking care of yourself is becoming like more and more optional, you know. <laughs> so I'm just trying to, you know, represent, set a good example for the people yeah. around me. You there know, you go. how the hell are we going to transition away from this into our next subject? I don't even know what our next subject is. I don't know. I was trying to to come up with something slick, but I just couldn't do it. So I'll leave it up to you guys. Um, I tried slicking my hair over (laughs) for a while um, because I thought it would be easier and easier to be more consistent with it. Um, Not was poorly received. I was doing it. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, it yeah. was poorly received. It was Prince super Saturday. poorly received. Yeah, I definitely would, follow everything. It's amazing. It's T amazing does. how many you people should. in drag racing care about your hairstyle and what's in your hair. Because when you did change what your hair, it was like the... breaking news. You yeah, know. or what he's wearing to the track. Yeah, I got like some West weird texts about that whole deal. Loafers on and slacks again. That was a whole deal for years. You know, <laughs> I took a lot of heat for that. Everybody was like, and what was funny is I would have people smart off thinking I was wearing like Gucci or Prada loafers, and it's like, dude, I bought these at Pennies. I think, like, I don't know, they're like eighty bucks. Oh, um, Penny loafers from Pennies. Oh, yeah. That, see, that's, that's you bougie. can't sleep on J.C. Penny. I mean, I know a lot of young folk don't even know what it here, is. They're closed. Did they close there? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. We don't have anywhere to buy clothes. I think, I think that place is closed up just about everywhere. They went through an attempted rebrand, I think, where they like kind of cursified the logo, made it like a script <laughs> font. I think tried to breathe a, a little bit of fresh air into it. I got to tell you, man, I think about that a lot when I travel around the country and I see these huge brick and mortar stores. And I think about the challenge that that would be. In this day and age, because for, I think the, the group, this group here, we have a lot of conversations about all the challenges that we face in the media, right? We're talking about, you know, print versus digital and the social revolution and all these things going on. But can you imagine like owning one of these big ass department stores and just watching as people's behavior changes so dramatically? I mean, it used to be just, I think that's you go without saying that you're going shopping. You got to go to the store. You got to try stuff on. Well, shit. Now Amazon will they won't even charge you or whatever. They'll send you this stuff. See if it fits, and you can send it back or not. Well, I, think, it's I, hard. Think that, I think that goes into any business. You know, like these these small speed shops have either had to, you know, go with the times and adjust. You know, their whole model, um, where everybody may used to come like in in Mike's part of the woods. You know, there's speed shops everywhere, right? And so they could go to the go down to the the shop and grab parts and whatever but now it's so easy to order online everything and have it there for you when you're ready to do it i mean you you've had to adapt or you probably got left behind it, it would be to me i think about all these big car dealerships that are being built you know like especially here in the greater dallas fort worth area i mean you can't drive too far without seeing you know a new car dealership being constructed and i mean it's really impressive great you know serious architecture these aren't like low rent buildings you know they're not throwing together stuff and putting a sign out front these are really really big construction projects and i think about how the car buying process is changing a lot and i can't help mike and you and i had this conversation i think when we were in denver yeah. um a few months back it's like we were driving around through some of these car lots that were like virtually empty you know, they had like a limited inventory there. And this is, you know, going on, you know, throughout the world, around the world and throughout the country. But that would just be to me to like roll into the office every morning and know what the overhead on this big ass building is and turning all these lights on and know that there's probably a future where people predominantly order their vehicle sight unseen. And, the, and, show if up they and pick do, it up. everything that's brick and mortar is about an experience now in my opinion, because you can, everything else can be done online. You can do your traditional buying or your whatever the, like the boring stuff online. But think about, I think about like uh, trampoline parks. We actually just went to a birthday party at one of those over the weekend, like an old uh, Best Buy or something has been transformed into like a, one of those um, weightless like parachute yeah. deals or a climbing Indoor thing, skydiving. Or, yeah. yeah. Skydiving or uh, the the trampoline thing so it's like that's what these buildings are being used for or is like an amazon 
warehouse or return center. You're, so it's, it's you're one hundred percent. Have you seen how there's actually some great stories on the internet and some videos about how Best Buy has adapted to this this changing landscape? They've started to turn their stores more into showrooms than anything else, and they've started to like diversify their revenue by charging. Like I've got one of those Marshall brand uh, Bluetooth speakers that's literally like my prized possession. It's probably it's probably my favorite thing. Anyways, my wife got it for me at Best Buy and it like looks like a little miniature amp. I love this thing. <laughs> Marshall pays to have those products on display in Best Buy with the little, you know, play it, test it, and you can hear it, plug your speakers into it. I love those, just cranking those up. And then, I know, and then, dude. And then, and then we're like walking off people <laughs> looking at you. But now <laughs> they're starting to treat their floor space inside Best Buy like very valuable real estate because they know that West Buck or whoever is probably going to walk in there and you know, mess around and, and try the sound out on some Bluetooth speaker or a set of headphones. I want to touch it. I want to feel it. I want to see how it works, but I'm probably going to order it on Amazon. I'm probably going to yeah. walk out of the store and get a better deal on it somewhere else. And I, I try hard to buy at stores. And you know, cause you can scan the code. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right into Amazon. Hey, I just saw this comment. We got an international audience. Pat Musi is on like a, a two or three week tour of Italy. And he said that he's watching from Italy. So shout well, good out to deal, man. Oh, Tell him I sent him a contract yep. for a silver package in Drag Illustrated. As soon um, as he, I'm going to need to get that back. signed. Yeah. As soon as he gets back, he's he's going to tend to that first thing. <laughs> he better. He oh, better. I, love, I miss Pat. I wish I, uh, man, I, I don't want to go on another story, but I still, one of my fondest memories was spending like 48 hours in Carteret, New Jersey with Pat Musi and family. It's still early in the Drag Illustrated days. I think it was like 2006. And yeah, still one of the highlights of my entire life. Then he threatened to beat me up there. But that's just, quite a, that's yeah. just part. Remember I mean, that, that team? That, that's that was yeah. just when you started at the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. literally walked in to talk to me about coming to work at Drag Illustrated. And I'm on the phone with Pat. And Pat's going to beat me to death or something over an yeah, You're all worked up. Yeah, yeah, Pat, you almost, I almost didn't even get a job here because you were so worked up. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> even focus. I was in a bad way. That's every really every uh, relationship or conversation with Pat kind of goes on that roller coaster. So you just got to oh, be prepared. No. I love it. him to death, man. Uh, what a what a dude. Um, what else were we going to talk about? There was something <laughs> we tried to get a segue back to. Segue. Well, was it an actual segue? <laughs> no, nah, I think we're just talking about stuff. Whatever. What else you guys want to talk about? Um, how about some World Series of Pro Mod stuff? Oh yeah, this big news that I teased news. earlier. Um, yeah, tell us about this. Yeah, this is. I think this is huge news. So, let me ask you guys this: How do you make what is already shaping up to be the biggest independent drag race on the planet Earth even bigger and better? Right? I mean, we're paying a hundred thousand to win, invite only, all these things, hyper exclusive on CBS Sports. You know, like we're doing all these things, and we're trying really, really hard. But I literally lay awake at night trying to think about ways to just turn it up a little bit more. And one of the things that, you know, Stevie Jackson put a quote out a couple of weeks ago, and we've talked about it a lot, but it just, I can't get it. And it's so true that the fans are our bosses. That's who we answer to is drag racing fans. They're the and balls. they're the balls. They're and the balls. I don't think people promoter that isn't at the forefront of people's mind enough. I think, because again, going back to the conversation that we've had routinely here on the show, it seems like people are a little bit afraid to, to admit their fandom, right? And, and I'm here to say that like I'm the ultimate drag racing fan and I'm the ultimate pro-modified drag racing fan. So whenever I was thinking about everything that was going to happen at the World Series of Pro Mod, I, I see these dream matchups pitched by fans. Like I'll get a message from somebody on social media or a DM on Instagram that reads, man, wouldn't it be cool to see so-and-so race so-and-so? 
wouldn't it be crazy if you saw so and so from NMCA race so and so from PDRA, which or, we see in other sports like all the time? That's the right core of their promotion, and you're you're in tune with that stuff. So like, where is that where these ideas come from? I think. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Is that it's? I look at Dana White in the UFC come to mind. Dana always says that he puts on the, the what UFC is known for is putting on the fights that fans want to see. They're willing to like they're willing to put rankings aside, right? Like oftentimes in traditional combat sports, you know, there's a champion and then there's like a title, a slew of title contenders and, you know, uh, number two, three, four, five, six, seven in the rankings, right? You got to go by in that order. You, you got to go in that way. order. And you want to be yeah. like number two next in line to challenge for the title, right? But the UFC and Dana White specifically, they're willing to say, you know what? Brock Lesnar hasn't fought in the UFC for three years, but he wants to come back and fans want to see him fight for the title. So by God, we're going to let him skip to the front of the line and we're going to have Brock Lesnar fight whomever for the, for the heavyweight title. And I think that will get people up in arms, right? Because a whole bunch of people just got skipped over and, oh my God, you're making the rankings worth nothing. With here. That's what we deal right? with here with the invitations to the race to, uh, just to begin with on that. But even if you think about stories that we do in the magazine, you know, we may identify some story that hasn't been told and kind of skip over the obvious dominant 100%. racer story. And so we've dealt with this a lot throughout everything we do here. And it is tough, right? I mean, I think all of us have had those tough conversations at times when, hey, on paper, in black and white, this makes sense, but we live in a, a fairly gray world, right? And especially when you get into the event promotion and selling tickets and building excitement. So where I arrived over the course of the last few days that we've been working on this announcement is there are matchups the fans want to see. We have a controlled cast at the World Series of Pro Mod. We know who will be there, who won't be there. And when you have that kind of control, you're able to do cool things. You're able to kind of uh, take some ideas, pull some dreams, and, and turn them into reality. So what I did is I was thinking, how do we ensure these matchups happen? Because you're at, the way our race is formatted, A, you don't know who's going to make the cut. Qualifying at the World Series of Pro Mod isn't about 1 through 32. It's about making the cut. All you want to do is be in the top 32. If you can make it, nothing else really matters because we draw our matchups every round. So number one and two qualifiers may race each other in the first round. And that's what makes the event so exciting. But to my earlier point, you do run the risk of these titanic matchups that you've been wanting to see for years not coming to fruition. So I thought, let's make these matchups happen. Let's let's be matchmakers. Let's work with our racers. Let's start having conversations and let's set up races for Friday night. So we're going to introduce for the first time uh, as part of one of our events, World Series of Pro Mod Friday night featuring multiple grudge matches. This uh, will be headlined by what I think I got goosebumps. I'm getting all excited. Jim Halsey, reigning, defending four time PDRA Pro Nitrous World Champion, inarguably the baddest nitrous racer in the land going head-to-head -head with Jay Cox, fellow PDRA Pro Nitrous heavyweight, and the famed and feared Pumpkin 69 Camaro. We've got that matchup scheduled for Q2 Friday night under the lights. I'm basically making it not mandatory, but I've reached out to all of our racers, started these conversations, and told them, find a race for Friday night. Find a race. You have to have a match race for Friday night. So my goal with this John, is John to make... asking if Mountain Motor Pro Stock as well. 
Yeah, 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 by all yeah. means, um, by all means, because what I want is I want to see these dream matchups. I want to make sure, and we can create a little bit of history here because the story matters, context matters. Just imagine where one of these Friday night grudge races happened again in eliminations, right? Now we've got something to reference. These two met Friday night in a grudge race. Now we see them meet again with it all on the line. We also have Lyle Barnett and J.R. Gray rematch. A rematch, uh, a $10,000 grudge, grudge race we saw take place at the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals just a few weeks back right there at the end of 2022. One of the biggest happenings at the Snowbirds was that individual matchup. We got to see it again. All I've heard Lyle Barnett talking about the last several weeks is having another opportunity to crush J.R. Gray. I pitched this to the two of them, and they said, get in, let, let's get it on. And I'm telling you, we are just getting started. I've got some matchups that we're going to announce in the coming weeks that will blow the roof off this deal. And it's my goal to turn Friday night at the World Series of ProMod into a standalone event where... Friday night, we've got all these grudge races. It only happens in Q2, right? We're going to you know, stick to the script and get down to business on Saturday. We've got a race to run on Sunday. But Friday night, we're going to let it all hang out. So I encourage racers, if you haven't heard from me already, if you're a member of the World Series of Pro Mod Fraternity, reach out, set up a race. If there's somebody that you've got a little history with, we're all ears. This is um, this is like a spin or variation on doing call-outs. I think that's a, a, a popular thing that's happening, especially with the chip draw deal. Obviously, Street Outlaws is the uh, is the most prominent one that does that. But this this is a little bit of a different take on that. Still setting up the match, matches that you want and allowing the racers to kind of take control of that, but doing it a little bit differently. Yeah, I felt like we had to grab the the bull by the horns. I think yeah. sometimes if you throw, I mean, we've we've kind of made it you know, known to a lot of the racers that, hey, if you wanted to do something like this, we're all ears. And you see how sometimes magic happens. I go back to the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. That wasn't a planned thing. It just happened. A little bit of pit, you know, smack talk. And one thing leads to another. And you've got J.R. Gray and Lyle Barnett lining up with $10,000 on the line. And as I thought about that, sometimes you have to make a little bit of magic, right? JT and I've talked about this right here on the show for years. The producers of Real World um, or any of those old reality shows. I mean, they had everybody in the room, but then they slid a bottle of tequila on the <laughs> yes, countertop, they did. Yeah. right? And that <laughs> was the catalyst, right? Because they knew, yeah. hey, I've got all the people here. Now I need to pour fuel on the fire. And I felt a very similar kind of responsibility with our show on Friday night going, I've got all the baddest dudes here. Yeah, anyone Someone's got to step up and make those any, matches. Any one of these matchups could be a headliner at another race. Absolutely. You know, like, I mean, you know, that's, you that's know in, cool and in many places, we're going to see people race each other that otherwise would never meet in competition, right? Because, or, or very rarely, I mean, we've got a host of people that race exclusively with PDRA, race exclusively with the NMCA, the Midwest Drag Racing Series, race exclusively with NHRA. So this is a rare opportunity to see a couple of these folks line up and, and you know, I think we're going to see more rights, of that. Oh, we, have, we, have, we have a comment from Josh yeah. Hamming that says we should make it where they could only run someone that's not in their series. Oh, I actually like that idea. And that's something yeah. that we could because and I got to be honest, if the fans want to see it, hand to God, I'll try to make it happen. So send us messages, pile into the comments right here. Um, there's 50 cars in route to Bradenton Motorsports Park this spring to do battle for one hundred thousand uh, dollars. There's some matchups here. I've been drawing, jotting names down uh, all night, all morning. There's some that, that I'm fairly certain we're going to be able to announce in the next couple of days. And it also just lets us promote it like a fight. It's 
fighter A versus fighter B. It's driver A versus driver B. And it allows us to what we don't have sometimes in storylines, because many of these people have never met before, we can generate a little bit of that storytelling component by organizing these match races on Friday night. And again, if the stars and moon aligned and you had two people that raced each other on Friday night for bragging rights meet in the final or meet in a really pivotal moment come race day, come Sunday at the World Series of Pro Mod, I mean, holy shit. I mean, that's like the, 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 it's like the Holy Trinity or something. You know what I mean? That's like the happening that could put something over the top. So anyways, very excited about it. We have, uh, as I said, a multitude of matchups we're going to be announcing over the course of the next couple of days um, throughout the weekend and into next week. Like I said, we got 50 racers and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We've got eight locked in right now, eight match races locked in, but I kind of wanted to slow roll the announcement of some of these deals. So yeah, press release, I think, is going out like right now about this, and we'll continue to do that. And looking forward to talking to Victor and Jay later in the show about this and get, get their opinion and get Jay talking some shit about his matchup with Halsey. But let's <laughs> let's take it back. Let's go back a few years to World let's Series go of Pro back, Mod back, in Denver back. and talk about what what you've deemed the mile-high robbery in our burnout contest. And then, and then maybe we'll get a little input from uh, Camry on this. <laughs> wow. Um, the mile high robbery. Uh, th- for those that don't know the, the but first it, we, three we, iterations, we that, like wavy, you know, that they used to do when go back in back. time. They're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to the first three years of the world series of pro mod out at the legendary Bandamere speedway outside Denver, Colorado, part of our show that we built into Friday and Saturday night was actually a 5,000 to win burnout competition. Now burnout competitions, th- there's a reason that I'm not doing it at, and I'm not against it, but it is something that you have to keep in mind when the competition level starts to ratchet up is that people are all but throwing away a run right? They have to go into it well, kind of that. knowing. We, we thought that. We, yeah, thought, we that. thought that. And what we ran into in 2017, 18, and 19 with this burnout contest was that you had not everybody would participate because maybe they hadn't ran very well and they needed to make sure they got into the show or they needed to make sure they made a clean run and they couldn't go, you know, kind of out into left field chasing $5,000, you know. However, you have those guys that recognize the opportunity that this is a moment that they have. This is an opportunity they have to kind of put their leave their mark on the event. Win, lose, or draw, no matter what happens, these things live on forever. I mean, these burnout photos that we're showing the, the last couple of days from from Bandamere. I mean, those photos will be passed around. The video of Stevie Jackson's big burnout from say, 2017. This is the, the most viral thing from that race. That was the most viral thing from that race. I mean, but then it, that kid. Remember that kid, the video of the kid uh, reacting to his like first yeah. burnout or, or launch? That was awesome. I mean, it was, such cool. a, it was such a moment, guys. It was an incredible thing. And we only had a handful of guys participate in it. Clint Satterfield was one, did a big old nasty burnout. Stevie Jackson did a big old nasty burnout. Todd Tuttero did yeah, one. Tuttero. Um, and they both it, dropped the laundry. They both there. pulled the shoots. Um, but I, so I got to tell extra you. Points. I'll, I'll, I'll say that's extra points. You it know, was. I'm going to defend myself against Mark here. That was well, I do points. think that was extra points. However, the thing that stunk about that particular situation was that Todd Tuttero had already done it. It's like the, the whole burnout competition. It's very interesting. And I wonder if it's a way. It's just like an NBA dunk contest. And I think there are people that are afraid to do it because they, they feel the pressure to win. And if they don't win, they're afraid it's going to hurt their brand. 
right? And so you get to the point where like the dunk contest in the NBA during All-Star Weekend is pretty lame, right? <laughs> right? Because you can't get any of the big names to participate in it. And going back to the so what happened was Todd Tuttero does this big, gnarly burnout. Car starts to wash out just uh, coming up on the 330 blocks. He pulls he pulls the shoots, and it's like this really special moment. But you got to think about it. He just obliterated a run. I mean, he didn't get Q2 because he sacrificed it to, to, to win this burnout competition. So Stevie Jackson dropped the laundry as well, but Todd had already done it. So it lost a little bit of its flair. If we're being honest, right? It wasn't as good. And the burnout wasn't as good as the year before, but we're kind of missing the, the point here is amidst all of this madness, Mark, the Rodfather Caruso rolls out here in this beautiful black 69 Camaro and proceeds to do what I'm going to say is maybe the most epic burnout of all time. I mean, it was, it I was looking, we were looking around like, holy shit, dude, this is, well, and, this is and I just win. thought he would just idle down the track. I literally thought he did this big burnout and I assumed that he was just going to, he was headed to the return road, right? Wrong. Mark Caruso in all of his glory here backs up slowly. You know, I mean, just owning the moment, absolutely owning the moment backs up and literally puts this thing in the beams and proceeds to rip off probably one of the most impressive runs that we saw the whole weekend. Yeah. I mean, a to B killer run <laughs> wheels up aggressive, nasty, nasty run uh, down the quarter mile there at Bandemir speedway. And the place went berserk. I mean, it was like a true iconic Kodak moment. Mark comes Mark up the return it. road yeah. that's right there in front this of the grandstands. The he climbs up on top of the car. He's wearing a he's you know, guy's wife beater. Got on. his wife beater on. He's on top of the car. <laughs> scream. I mean, it, yeah. it was bananas. So he 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 has to. Uh, Stevie went after him and whatnot. And then it was a fan vote. So we have these guys all up on the on the remote or not on the on the return road. And, you know, it's the old, who wants to see him win? Who wants to see him win? And, of course, Stevie Jackson with this huge fan following, which still to this day impresses me. The fan following that he had out there in Denver, so far from his home turf, so far from the East Coast kind of outlaw door slammer grudge scene that he, that star was born. Here he is on the other side of the country at a place that's really not super hip to pro mod racing or door slammer racing. And everywhere you look, a Stevie Jackson shirt. It was an incredible thing to see. The fans go nuts. We give the we ultimately give the award uh, to to Stevie Jackson. And, I, and I'm looking back on it. I think if we're being honest, it was perhaps the greatest. Well, we had a yeah, we had a discussion on what do we do, right? Because we, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was it was it was a tough situation to be in. But I do think talking about a star is born. I think that's when. The Rod Father. That's when Mark Caruso, in my opinion, sort of established himself in pro mod and, and in the door slammer door slammer game. I agree. Uh, was that was that moment? I think a lot of people remember that. Um, he had been sort of doing more and more over time, and now he's 
he, he and Camry are an establishment out there. So it, it was a really cool deal. And Mark was far from home as well, coming from the East Coast. Uh, he really it, was. It, it was it was a cool thing. Mark's a good sport. Stevie's a good sport. My and, dad uh, was so <laughs> upset. Your dad's not a good sport. Right? Your dad is yeah, not he, a good he sport. Was. And I was, and and I was he wanted to Stevie, like, remember? I was like, yeah. no, I mean, you know, because <laughs> my dad, I thought my dad was going to fight me. I'm like, I mean, he was so upset. Wes, he grabbed me by the shoulders. Wes, buddy, I love you, but that is bullshit. That, <laughs> this is wrong. And I'm like, Hey man, you know, like I'm sorry. Like we've got all this stuff going on, and it's like there's everything's burning, and I, I can't put that fire out yet. That I'm I'm gonna go pay him five grand myself. Like I, <laughs> you know, you can just pay me back. You know, like because that, that's <laughs> wrong. Back. You know, because I'm not let this. You can't let that guy go home. You can't. Let's, you can't. Let, I'm like, oh my god. Let's I wonder if Camry remembers. Let's yeah. let's bring the one and only NHRA Pro Stock Phenom Rookie of the Year, Camry Crusoe. On, do you remember this moment, Camry? Where you were there? Yeah, I was there. I remember it. It was so funny. Your dad came running up to him, and that's like, I can't take your money, dude. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have paid him, guaranteed. Yeah, um, he, he definitely tried a valid effort. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be okay. It's just a fun contest. <laughs> <laughs> My dad doesn't see anything as like, just okay, going to be fun. Uh, that's no. not how uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, that doesn't compute with Eddie Buck, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's kind of always made no. it pretty exciting. <laughs> He's still like, I think it was like last year. No, yeah, uh, year before last at PDRA, he he was racing with his car and he came up and he's like, "Remember when I tried to give you five grand?" I was like, "Yes, yes, I remember." <laughs> he would definitely want points for it. Yeah, he would definitely want points for it later. Hey, you remember that time I tried to pay for that burnout yeah. contest you got? You owe me now. Yeah, you owe me now. Yeah. No, actually, I own you now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was awesome. He, uh, that was like they still to this day joke about it. Uh, it was a moment and it, it really was it's fun to it's fun to talk about you think about all the stories and all the things that we're like so lucky to have gotten to experience you know what i mean because that's like a moment i was thinking i saw brian loans make a post on social media the other day and he was talking about when the i, I can't even remember where it was where they threw all the beer cans on the racetrack you know what i mean yeah. and like made a big oh, where was yeah. that uh seattle or something i yeah, can't remember, I can't remember. Head. anyways um I'll never uh, claim to be a historian. Uh, I remember it, but just bits and pieces. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool to see somebody like write a story on that moment? Because there was like a lot, you know, there was a lot that went into it. I mean, we sold they said it was Bristol. I thought it looked like Bristol from okay. the photo, but yeah. yeah. Um, and I just think it'd be close. cool we to see close. somebody yeah. reflect on that and, and tell the story of the mile high robbery. I mean, here, Mark Caruso, without question, won this burnout competition. But somehow, some way, he ended up not being awarded the win. Um, well, and Mark yeah, got his a, a couple years later by winning the World yeah. Door Slammer Nationals <laughs> with Alex Laughlin driving yeah. in Orlando. So it, it all works out in the end. I think like, he enjoyed that win as much as he would have like driving as he did standing in the starting line. And I was like a little worried about it at first. I was like, ooh, this is going to be a weird situation. <laughs> like He's going to want to be driving his race car. Like This is going to be weird. And he had so much fun. Oh, like, he was pumped, man. He he's was, really he owned the 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 owner role. I think yeah. he's done a good job of because I was worried about that. Too. Not worried about it, but I just know that Mark's like that hands-on guy that wants to like you know have input on what happens. And I, I was wondering how he would handle like turning the keys to the castle over to you and yeah. and 
perhaps being out of the seat for a while. And it's uh, it's been interesting to see. But he's really I, you can see the way he beams with pride every time you guys are up there on the starting line, Camry. It's it's almost unbelievable to it be is. totally well, honest like- with you. That was like, I was really worried about it because I was like, okay, I'm going to get like three races in and he's going to take my race car. Like, this is not going to be good. Like, he's going to take my race car away and like drive it himself. Like, (laughs) this is just what's going to happen. And he's like, no, no, we're good. We're good. And I'm like, okay. But like in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, when's he going to like want to drive? Like, I'm a little concerned here that my seat might get taken. Here, here, get get out of the way. Let me try. (laughs) Yeah, no joke, right? But, like, I keep pushing him. I'm like, are you going to get your license? Like, do you want to try it? Do you want to drive? And he's he's been really good at the whole owner slash, like, cheerleader. I've been really surprised with Owner it. slash cheerleader. Owner slash cheerleader. He needs I'm like, that on his shirt. Mark's waited his whole life to be an NHRA pro stock cheerleader. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not he's driver, so not crew chief tutor too. or owner. But he's a hairy cheerleader. cheerleader. He's good. He's good at it. I keep telling him, I'm like, Dad, want to get a bracket car? Like, let's go bracket racing on off weekends. And he's still like, oh, we'll see. It's interesting because a lot of the owner, a lot of folks aren't able to really differentiate or like once they've gotten out of the seat, like they have to stay away from the racetrack. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you'll notice you'll have a lot of people like, hey, I'm going to step away from the sport. And like when they say that, they mean it. You don't see them dudes at the racetrack. It's like an alcoholic quitting drinking and not a good hangout at the bar not a good spectator i'm I'm not a good spectator uh well hey we've got a little bit of you know let's let's do a little catch it up here camry so over the off season all sorts of news breaking uh right around uh, the 2022 pri show uh that kb racing uh longtime home of greg anderson jason line kyle koretsky um uh dallas glenn the list goes on um very prominent power uh provider in the nhra pro stock space uh had merged uh, essentially with Titan racing engines, uh, a whole conglomerate of people coming together to make this happen uh, with the exit of Ken block, you know, retiring uh, from an NHRA pro stock team owner. This was a very necessary thing. It was a great thing for the preservation of NHRA pro stock. And it puts you in a position for the first time to have like teammates and to be part of a, a team, a fleet of cars. And we've seen how much that lends itself to the success of an operation, right? When you've got a lot more data, you've got a lot more people thinking about something, a lot more people working to solve uh, the problems that exist out there on the quarter mile. Take us through this whole situation. You've got to be excited. I mean, Greg Anderson, Dallas Glenn are your teammates. Well, when we first started this crazy uh, ProStock deal last year, we were excited to be like our own team, be in charge of our own destiny. Like that was very important to us. And um, during the last, part of the season the kb and titan merger started to be more relevant and there was decisions to make and i was like "Uh uh-oh like i don't know how i feel about team and it actually is super awesome it's a great opportunity i like you said i have teammates now we have cars to learn from um everybody has been so welcoming and to be able to learn from greg and dave and dallas and kyle it's just such a cool opportunity and I think it'll be really good. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, in this, those are shark infested waters there in NHRA yeah. pro stock. I mean, there's, it, it could easily be argued. That's the most competitive 
category that exists in drag racing today. And it's really strong right now, but a lot of that strength comes from these teams. I mean, it's been a few years ago, but Richard Freeman, uh, Greg Anderson kind of put their heads together and worked hard to find ways to pull back the cost on engine leasing programs, find ways to make this more doable for more people. And we've seen the class really experience an incredible uh, revitalization. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that NHRA Pro Stock appeared to be knocking on death's door. And here we are with it being inarguably the most healthy, the healthiest category that exists in NHRA professional drag racing. So I think you're, you're kind of uh, drag racing is full of people that want to like do it their own way. Right. I mean, that's like what yeah. our sports built on, you know, I'm going to yeah. do it my way and I'm going to solve this problem. And I'm going to innovate my way into success. And, but oftentimes, oftentimes that's a long battle. Cause I think you guys would likely ultimately be successful, but it's, it could be years down the road. Right. I mean, it's, that data comes a little slower. It's a, the process yeah. is, uh, it takes time and people don't like well, that, but it does take time by, but being a part of this, I think you guys are going to be on the fast track to success. So like you said, it takes time. It takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of people and you kind of have to sit back and realize, okay, do I want to reinvent the wheel or do I just want to like, what do you want out yeah, of it? Absolutely. How fast do you want it? And Greg and Dallas and Kyle and Dave and all the guys over there are so knowledgeable. And Mike now is over there as well. Like all of them together, I just think is such a huge like advantage that it would be kind of silly for us not to take it. And to have teammates that are great drivers and great racers is just awesome. Cause now like I can lean on them and like, it's just really exciting to have such a strong team with a track record of success, right? I mean, it's, I I think that you, it makes perfect sense in my opinion. And I always applaud the racers that are willing to fight that fight, but it's, it's just a different fight. It's a long fight. And when you, and an expensive one, and an expensive one. And if you, especially in NHRA pro stock, I mean, I've had this conversation a lot, but with a lot of people, but this is a brand of drag racing that has chewed people up and spit them out left and right. I mean, it's incredible. If you think about all the different people that have come into pro stock and, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then a year later, two years later, you know, you don't, you've never, you don't even hear from them ever again. Right. That's why you have to like sit back and be like, okay, do I want this to be a one, two year deal or do I want it to be 10, 15, 20? Like what, what do you want out of it? And, if you just want to come have fun for a year, by all means, do it on your own. But if you want to be in it for the long haul and if you want to be successful, you have to align yourself with the people that are successful and that have lived this for 20, 25 years Do you years think there's already. different goals? Like, Do you think that like, going pro stock racing serves – like people find enjoyment in – well, you just talked about your dad and how he's really – taken to the crew chief or behind the car role, right? Yeah. And, and enjoyed that. And you hear that a lot, like whether it's a junior dragster parent all the way up to a, a, a father or whatever in pros in top fuel, funny car, we may have lost uh, Camry, but people talking about how rewarding it is to tinker and have input on what happens and how the car runs. And that's how they get their juice, right? Do you think that people go into pro stock or go into drag racing like with di- serving different masters, like you've got one guy who's an engine builder by trade, let's say, and he doesn't care. They're not focused on win, lose, you know, they just, they're trying to create a better mousetrap or whatever. And that's yeah. what's exciting to them. Do you think that 
different people kind of pursue this passion or this hobby or this career for different reasons? I think so. I think there's a lot to it. And there's some people who would be 100% happy and content being a crew member and some people that are happy and content being a crew chief and an engine builder. I personally want to drive and don't think that I would really want to be and it could change maybe over years, but I only want to drive. Like, I don't want, I wouldn't be happy with just being a crew member just because I've driven and that's always what I've wanted. So I guess it's just where your passion lies in drag racing. Because like, perfect example, my dad used to go racing every single weekend. Like that's all he knew. He drove. And now he's the best cheerleader and team owner you can have, so. And there's a lot, I, I mean, that's just what I'm time. saying. I think it's interesting. And if you're going into this deal, and I'm making a couple assumptions here, Camry, forgive me, um, for those that just tuning in, chatting with uh, NHRA, reigning NHRA Rookie of the Year, Pro Stock uh, driver Camry Caruso. Camry, uh, I'm making some assumptions, but I, I think that, you know, you mentioned you want to be doing this for 10 years. You want to be, you know, competing for a championship. You guys want to be winning races. It's not, the, you're no longer satisfied with qualifying no longer satisfied with going around or two. You guys have big hopes and dreams and you're going to have to make align yourself with the people, parts, pieces that are going to make those dreams possible, right? And that's the thing. Like we went into this and uh, December of 21, Jim asked all of us when he came to the shop, what are your goals for this season? And it was to win races, win a championship, which we did not do, and to be known and be here for a while. Um, I was never going to be satisfied with just qualifying and going maybe a round or two. Like that, you, anybody who knows my dad knows that that's not him either. Like that's not why we're there. We're there to be good and be known and to make a mark on it. And parts and pieces and people are a huge part of that. And you just have to align yourself with good people that have the same goals and vision and morals as you'd have. So have you had, has there been any like immediate lessons for you or like, what was the, has there been any like big impactful moments in getting to operate in and around Greg Anderson's orbit? I mean, just we're big fans of Greg uh, here at Drag Illustrated. I do think that he is one of the best to ever do it. What's it been like kind of operating in his space? I was a little worried to just be a part of KB at first. I was very nervous because I just, I hadn't been a part of a big, big team before. And I like to call them the mega team. Like they're just one of the mega teams. And I was worried. I was like, okay, they've all been together for years. Like I'm going to come in and it's going to be weird. Like I told my dad the first day I went to visit, I was like, ah, this is going to be so uncomfortable. But it wasn't. They're all extremely nice. They're all welcoming. They're all, we all have the same goal. We want to win and we want to do good. And you have to have fun while doing it or it's not worth the effort, time and money that goes into it. So it's been really cool. It's been awesome to be able to go to the shop and be around everybody and see everything they do to the cars and the engines. And they just run such a cool program over there that Greg's been awesome, Rob, um, all the guys in the car shop, like everybody is such a good person over there and we all have the same goals. So it's been really neat like to say, hey, I'm teammates with Kyle and 
Greg in Dallas. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself, in my opinion. So when, what does uh, the start to the 2023 season look like for you guys? Obviously the NHRA Gator Nationals, you know, it's on the horizon, fast approaching. Yes. Um, what are, What's testing look like or what are kind of the next couple of action items for yourself and the KB Racing conglomerate? Uh, we don't have a testing plan. Well, I don't have the testing plan as of yet. I'm sure Greg and Rob have talked about it on a multitude of levels so far, but the cars are getting gone through and planned to be wrapped soon and um, figuring out which cars are going to go in which trailer. And um, I think it's going to be a really good year. We're all really excited for Gainesville. Um, we'll have the four house cars and then the, um, and Derek Kramer and Matt Hartford. So I think we're all really excited for Gainesville. And I think that bringing the KB guys and the Titan guys together is just going to be such an exciting thing to watch because they're all extremely smart and innovative and putting everybody together is just going to make it better. Uh, we're looking forward to watching it unfold. I know you guys got some big news coming, I think, in the next few weeks with some sponsorship announcements and yes. stuff, perhaps. So keep us apprised. I'm sure you will. And we'll, uh, we'll be sure to tell the world about it, Cameron. You stay out of trouble. Thanks for joining us and talking shop Thank a little you guys. bit. Sorry again about the, the Mile High robbery. Tell your pops I apologize. Uh, he'll, he'll get over it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank talk you very much. Soon. All right, guys, I want to remind you, take a minute here, we'll pay some bills, how about, remind you that each and every one of the West Buck Show episodes is brought to you by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment, from drag shoots and seatbelts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to StroudSafety.com and tell them we sent you. Man, actually, guys, I don't know if I told you guys knew I went up to Oklahoma City last week, right? Got yep, to spend yep. a little bit of time with Tommy Cunningham and his wife Anita. We had a big time, man. Some of my favorite people on the on the yeah, planet. Yeah, great Earth. people. Yeah, they are good they, people. I'm blown away with. You got to watch out for Mama man. Sue, though. Got to watch. Oh Mama yes, Sue. I know. I miss but, Mama Sue. I haven't seen her in a minute. I guess it's been since like late October, maybe. Oh no, no, I didn't see her at PRI. No, she yeah. wasn't there. She, she, she missed the party, man. She's yeah. got a back injury, so everybody yeah. keep uh, Mama Sue in your prayer. She's yeah, she, we missed her at the party. What a we bummer! Did. That was my first thing when I walked in. I said, "Where's Mama Sue?" Yeah, I know, right? Um, Pops was there though. That's yeah. good. Larry was yeah. there. We we're having a big time, man. It's you know, I'm really blown away by everything that they have going on at Stroud. I, I think that that's something that we kind of sleep that whole made in America thing and how significant that is, and that there's like literally a building full of people in Oklahoma City hand stitching, hand sewing, safety equipment. Like it's an incredible thing. And you think about the things that we take for granted as racers, but American made safety equipment, you know, I'm not trying to do like a pitch here, but it is, I want my stuff to be quality. I want to know who's making it. I want to know the people that stand behind the brand or whatever. It's, I don't know. I, I learned a lot about everything that goes in. They've got all sorts of cool software where they can like determine about making parachutes bigger and the the straps, uh, the, the cords or whatever longer to see how much G-force that will impact. I mean, it's just incredible to see them working on all this stuff. Working yeah, stuff. always that, evolving. That really even goes back to the original uh, Stroud. That, I mean, that triangular-shaped parachute, that was a revolutionary deal when they came out with that. So that company under, under the previous ownership and uh, with Tommy and his family kind of continues that tradition. It, it's an amazing, and they're married to that shape. They're so proud yeah. of that shape. It's a big part of the business. As soon as that came out, I think my my dad was one of the first to either test that, use that, or something. And it was supposed to be more 
more uh, forgiving when you the the impact the negative G's when they when the first blossoms was was less than the uh, traditional uh, shoot and he loved it. We ran it all the way until the end. Parachute Pretty incredible tester. thing, man. That's never going to be on my resume of something. Yeah. I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Throw those things in here. We'll see if yeah. it works. Yeah. Let's see if they hey, work. Could you it looks like real a, quick. I want to test yeah. this out. It's got a big hole in the middle of it. That yeah. was the first thing. Yeah. You, like, you, you didn't give me the slimline version, did you? <laughs> Shit. The well, line now they're version. like half the size that they used to be. If you look at the old days, I mean, it looks like, you know, we're yeah. jumping out of, or we're stopping the space shuttle with these things. And now they're, they're tiny. Like you're dropping cargo. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we were having conversations just about like racers switching parachutes, like from track to track, you mm-hmm. know, like if they're going to a track that they know has a little bit of a short shutdown or whatever, you know, calling up Stroud and ordering a set of bigger shoots. And just, it's just, you think about the nuances of this stuff and how, you know, in learning about, it's interesting, you know how seatbelts have to get recertified, right? And, you know, I know that that's something that, you know, racers love to like gripe about and be upset about, like, oh, I got to send these back. It's not, it's the stitching. It's literally the threat, the stitching that they're worried. It's not like they think the belts are going to disintegrate. You know, they don't think they're going to evaporate over time. I've seen guys run just them the until stitching. they disintegrate. Yeah. I mean, but the stitching starts to <laughs> like fail. Dry it's all these nuances that are fun to talk about and fun to learn yeah. about. But anyways, guys, um, we'll get back uh, on track here and bring on our next guest, uh, busy, busy man. And he's staring down the barrel. This is really like the the meat and potatoes of the season down at Bradenton Motorsports Park from December until, I guess, early March. This busy, guy's busy. got his hands full. Let's give it up for 2022 Drag Illustrated Promoter of the Year, the one, the only, Victor Alvarez. What's up, buddy? What's up, What's Victor? going on, guys? What's going on, man? You doing well? This- Busy man, like you said, um, October to March, we gotta we gotta get as much in as we can, you know. It's incredible. Tell us a little bit about the U.S. Street How Street Nationals. How are things looking? Uh, entry list is off the chain, incredible. You got some real serious race cars coming down there. I mean, what's your take? How are things feeling for you um, from the perspective of the promoter of the year? I mean, it's gonna be a stacked race. Uh, I think the entry list for Pro Mod kind of speaks for itself. It's pretty exciting. Um, I think there will be some really cool matchups, and I think whoever wins that race is definitely going to have to uh, fight for it. Kind of like a, I mean, actually, there's a lot of cars on that list that are going to be at World Series of Pro Mod. A little preview of that. Um, I think, you know, it's such a cool race because you mix up Pro Mods with, you know, this is a Radial Outlaws points race, the first one of the year. Um, so you'll have, you know, some of the baddest radio cars in the world on the property as well. Um, it's going to be really good. It's going to be really cool, and uh, you know, our crew is going to kill it. These guys are. To go from pro mod racing to radio racing back and forth all weekend takes some skill. Um, Wade Rich and the gang, they're, you know, they got it. They'll, they'll do a really good job. They proved that in the past. Um, I'm just excited to, uh, to host it. We're excited to see it unfold, man. I mean, it's, I think it's interesting these events because that was a, something that not that long ago you rarely would see when they would even, a promoter or a track operator would even attempt to run radio cars and pro mod cars on the same weekend. What, What's your take on that? Like that challenge has seems to have been kind of, is it the is it the Wade riches of the world that have been able to help make those race days happen? Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of it is the, the technology and like the, the experience of guys yeah. like Wade rich and Jimmy Bradshaw and, you know, not to leave others out, but those are the two. Oh, yeah. There's tons of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's tons of them, but those two come to mind because they've proven that it can, that it can be done. Um, the experience and then just the technology behind it that you got to have good equipment, good surface, good glue. Um, and just, 
you know, like run order plays a role. There's like a lot of things that go into it, a lot of things that we think about. And I think at some point, because I feel like the Snowbirds was kind of one of the first races to do it and do it very well in recent years. Um, at some point, it was just kind of like that race always had radio classes and it always had pro mod classes, but the radio classes got to a point where they were used to such good tracks and such good prep that it was like, guys, we have to figure this out. We have to do it. We got to kill it. And they just did, you know, um, it's not something that everyone can do, but we take pride in the fact that we can. How is that? How have your local racers uh, reacted to all the investments, you know, uh, in the facility? I mean, that's something that I think is still, unfortunately, a little bit few and far between when it comes with so many of these facilities that you don't see that type of reinvestment in the property. You got all this new concrete, new grandstands. I mean, what's been the feedback from your local racers? I mean, they got to be like jumping for joy. Oh, I mean, honestly, I would say like when I win like promoter of the year or the track wins track of the year and stuff like that. Um, I would say that we're such a small part of that. Our local like support system is so incredible. I mean, we can do like a Saturday night test and tune and just completely pack the place. We have so much support. Um, we have a really good, uh, crowd here in Bradenton, um, between us and the freedom factory and everything that they do. And Cletus McFarland does. Um, I mean, we've just really put Manatee County on the map and, it's the scene has just grown like just insane here. Um, they love it. They support it. And that's the reason that we're able to do it. Cause it's not just like, you know, people see the big events, they see the snowbirds, they see FL2K, they see us tree world series of pro mod, but without these guys all year, these guys and girls, like, we, we can't do this. We're not a next level track without that stuff, you know? Do you, how humbling or how overwhelming, one of the coolest things that I've seen happen really in our sport in a while was the, the, the rallying of all these people around Bradenton Motorsports Park and the Freedom Factory when you guys were staring down the barrel of some zoning changes yeah. and some, uh, I don't even know what all you would call it, some, some new suburban developments that may encroach on the facility there, some sound uh, ordinances that could cause you problems. To see people show up like at a courthouse and, and literally do, there were presentations given, there were multiple speeches given, uh, people were overwhelmed. I heard one guy say he got like 13,000 emails or something. One of the, the, the what do you, whatever you call the yeah, city we officials. Like crashed their, their email server. What was that moment like? And could you, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, could you explain some of that? Because I do think it's worth talking about and maybe give us an update. Yeah. So, I mean, right now we're kind of just in a, a holding pattern, but essentially they want to re there's a developer that wants to rezone some property that is, gets pretty close to the track um, to build. I think it's like 4,500 homes. Um, so we called on our support system. Excuse is that me. your Supra or we something? Got, we got a car on the dyno in the back. That's the, excuse that. But uh, no, that was awesome. So yeah, we called on everyone to come and you know support and help us when we needed it most. And man, honestly, like when it was all happening, it was a lot to take in because it was kind of there's a lot of politics that go into those things. So it's kind of like they kind of snuck up on us with it. Um, but to see the amount of support that we got and the amount of people that emailed and just the outpour of love, like really at that point. I felt more like no matter what happens, I'm okay with it, if that makes sense. Like just because I was just so proud of drag racing as a whole or just the automotive industry as a whole. And like the people that came and they were so well-spoken and like they just cared so much and they take time off work. I mean, just all of it. It was it was pretty amazing. And like 
at the end of the day, no matter what, we're going to fight. And I think we have a long time before it becomes an issue. And if it does, then we'll build another track. We'll do whatever. But like, we're not going to go anywhere. It was a powerful thing to see. And I'm glad you got to it. And I think that's a kind of a cool way to look at it because not like you guys didn't put up a fight, you know, yeah. I mean, no matter what happens, there has been a significant effort made to preserve Bradenton Motorsports Park. And I tell you what, man, I like, I think maybe there could be an example set here. Like, hey, here's how to fight these battles. Yeah. I mean, people could learn a little bit because what you did is you took it to the masses, rallied the troops, got mm -hmm. all these people to come help you fight. And I mean, I wonder how many tracks maybe could have been saved that we've lost if that level of uh, pushback yeah, <laughs> was, no. was presented. And myself and Garrett, we were both like, hey, like, we need to we need to fight as much as we can because if anybody can win the fight we felt like it was us um because we have such a large support system and such a you know big following like we have to fight this um it's not even just about these two facilities it's about you know these racetracks in general yeah um, kind of setting a precedent yeah, like, this yeah, exactly. is what happens when yeah, you try to exactly. encroach on a drag strip or so a like, we had to do it we have to do what we're what we're going to continue to do um and like i said i mean we're pretty committed to this. Like, I think that that shows in what we do. Right. Yeah. Um, but they, they can't get rid of us. Like we're going to have a racetrack in Manatee County and in Florida, like there's nothing they can do. We're, we're going to be here. So it was pretty spectacular to see. So, Hey, Mike JT, let's do a little round Robin of, of dream matchups here. Right. Uh, th there's four people on the screen in front of you, uh, friends around the world wide web, all of which who are admittedly some of the biggest fans of pro modified style drag racing on the planet Earth. Um, knowing what we know about the matchup, you know, the cars that are the cars and drivers that we'll see um, at the World Series of Pro Mod. Uh, I mean, you're talking about some some real icons and guys from different walks of of life, the Scott Palmers, the Alex Laughlin's. Uh, Manny Bajinga, relative newcomer to Pro Modified, but you've also got some of these, you know, Jason Scruggs, Bubba Stanton, Brandon Pez, guys that have been around for decades. Is there anybody, uh, you know, let's, uh, Victor, I'll start with you. Are there any dream matchups or anything that you've seen unfold at U.S. Streets, at Snowbirds uh, in the past that you would kind of like to see run back? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm enjoying the uh, Lyle Barnett, J.R. Gray thing quite a bit. I think that that's a good rivalry. I think it's good for the sport. And I think they're like, they're really closely matched cars. Um, so it comes down to like driving skill and those two guys can talk crap with the best of them. So it just makes it even more interesting. Um, so I, I like that rivalry for sure. I think uh, I'd love to see Lyle and Ricky Smith line up. <laughs> that was going to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think a lot of people want to see that. Um, and honestly, I think I would really like to see like, some of the new guys or new cars that are going to be, you know, at this event do well. It's always cool to see like, you know, like everyone knows who Manny Bajinga is, but if Manny Bajinga can come out and then brand new pro mod and like do something and, you know, kick some ass, that'd be really cool. I'd like to see Manny run. We talked earlier in the week, Mike, didn't we talk about uh, maybe enforcing a matchup between two of our no prep King stars, uh, Manny Bajinga and Marty Robertson. I mean, I, I think that may need to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good one. When uh, Victor was given his uh, selections, I think an important fact is that both people have to kind of lean into it. We, we have to use that word at least once on the show. You got to lean into it. You got to be it, lean with it's, it. it's not really a rivalry or or a grudge if if one participant is kind of not willing. Um, but to me. It's Jay Cox and Stevie Jackson. That was a matchup that I always loved back when, but they both ran pro nitrous 
uh, the Bullhorns. I mean, those two cars on the starting line, really two orange 69 Camaros, bull, you know, flames over the roof and enough flames coming out of their mouths to, to match that. <laughs> so it's uh, it would be great to see that kind of thing. Again, that's something we've lost since Stevie's gone to NHRA. Yeah. We have, that we, we've said it in the past that like that is what really like th that stuff elevates the sport. Like people, people don't understand how good that stuff is. Like we need more of that. That was actually like, we, we pulled up a video of Stevie from what it was probably 10 years ago now, maybe I think it was 2014 where he's, he's uh, got the practice tree out and he's showing Jay, this is what a Christmas tree looks like. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to leave when the yellow comes on and all <laughs> going through this whole thing. And it was like, it looks like it was recorded on a potato. That's how old that rivalry or how much things have evolved since then. And the way these guys are using social media and video and everything to kind of further these deals. It, it's funny because anytime we post anything about Jay Cox on like Drag Illustrated or World Series, like a promotional graphic or whatever, the first reply is, you know, lowercase Steve Jackson racing, right? And it's like, there's one shot of Jay Cox's orange Camaro going with the shoots out at Bradenton and uh, he's coasting to a stop and Stevie replied something like, probably after a nice 375 pass, you know, <laughs> nice safe 375 pass. He does that like, geez Louise, man. He does that with J.R. Gray now too. And like, you know, there's so much stuff behind the scenes that I hope that we can capture at the World Series of Pro Mod that we normally don't. But like at the Snowbirds, the between uh, Stevie and Lyle and J.R. Gray, like the back and forth, it's it's epic. And like Stevie, yeah. Stevie is a grudge racer at heart, man. He can go he can go at it with the best of them. So uh, he one hundred percent can, man. And yeah. I think you know, I was thinking about a matchup that I really want to see is Mark Mickey versus Mark Waterhausen. Uh, two Missouri boys, a little Missouri on Missouri action. These are guys that are friends, right? That go way back, like uh, but two turbo cars. <laughs> I mean, you could see both of these cars go two twenty something side by side. Um, and I think that we need to like establish who's got the baddest turbo pro mod in the world Friday night. Like we're going to find out. I think we're going to find out who's got the baddest nitrous pro mod on the planet Earth Friday night. Like yeah. that race between. Jay Cox and Jim Halsey will have ramifications. Jay Cox is going to be joining us here, I believe, in the next little bit. But Jay has told me, he goes, hey, man, I'm going down there because I want to win that race. But my main focus is showing Jim Halsey what he can expect all year in PRA. <laughs> and I'm like, and what's funny is he's not joking. Like, there's no amount of it that's like tongue in cheek. There's no amount of it that's showmanship. He really wants to go down there and his primary focus is outrunning Jim Halsey. And it's funny because when I pitched this to Jim, um, who's, you know, everybody, everybody loves Jim, super soft-spoken guy, great dude, gets along with everybody. Jim goes, uh, I sent him a text. I said, hey, man, you down to lock in with Jay Cox on Friday night? And he goes, I didn't think you invited any slow cars. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we uh, go. Um, but he immediately agreed. And I just think that we need to we need to develop this because I, you know, going back to what you guys have done at, at Bradenton Motorsports Park and all the accolades that you've earned, it, it comes to making each one of these days and these events special and unique. And that was kind of my thought is, you know, God forbid somebody was only to, able to come to World Series of Pro Mod on Friday. I want that to be a special experience yeah. in and of itself. Saturday at the World Series of Pro Mod to be a special experience in and of itself. And, you know, race day, it goes without saying. It's going to be electric. You cut the tension with the knife. But if we can build a little bit of that into Friday and Saturday, it just adds oh, to the whole that's, event. That's, that's what I want to see. I want to see these, just the different the different sanctioning bodies or whatever. The, you know, if you're racing PDRA, you're going to race NHRA. Yeah. And then the drivers that aren't even in the race, 
you know, flying that flag and up there invested in, in that car because yeah. it's, it's, it's racing the same series as, that they're racing. Yeah. And I think, I think, that, I think that's going to be really cool. I think something that's really cool and maybe not everybody comprehends yet is that the fact that there's, you know, that is a chip draw race, like there's going to be so much racing, like, like every single time those guys go up there, there's going to be like, they're going to be going for each other. They're going to be going for each other's like necks and throats. Like it's going to be kill or be killed. Like it's going to be, the competition is going to be next level. I don't think that uh, everybody quite realizes uh, what it's going to be like. There's going to be a lot of call outs. There's going to be a lot of crap talking. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be really good. It really, there's no doubt. I mean, and you start to think about some of the matchups. I thought about, you know, promoting some of these Friday night things as like, to your point, JT, champion versus champion. I mean, it's like Bellator and UFC meeting somewhere to see which light heavyweight champion's the best. I mean, that's what we're about to do. I mean, a lot of these sanctions and series now run relatively similar rules. So, I mean, let's let's put the Midwest Drag Racing Series champion Dustin Nelsoni, Nesloni up against Randy Merrick, the reigning defending NMCA Extreme Pro Mod World Champion, and see who's who. I mean, I mean that's what we need to do and create these rivalries. And, you know, and it, it is a challenge, and it's work for promoters, but I think these are the things that have to be done because – even if these races aren't for, you know, $100,000 or $10,000, whatever, if it's just about bragging rights, we're planting a seed that if we water it appropriately in years to come, will really become a, could potentially become a Lakers versus Celtics rivalry, right? Those got to be, they got to start somewhere. And we're going to start them Friday night at the World Series of Pro Mod at Bradenton Motorsports Park. You can count on it. Baby. Well, I think there's yeah, going to be some action on these races. Oh, there's yeah. There's going to be some yeah. side action on pretty much all of them. And it's cool, like what JT was saying, that, you know, like there's going to be guys that are going to be there that, you know, may run PDRA all year that aren't invited. But like somebody that they would normally want to just see that they could beat and whatever, they're going to be like behind them. They're going to be with them in the burnout box rooting for them because, you know, all the PDRA guys want to see a PDRA car win and all the NHRA guys are going to want to see an NHRA car win. Like. The level of competition is just it's it's a part of what's going to make that race so special. I'm- I love it. I love bringing those communities together. That was always a big part of the plan was to bring those fan bases and those racer bases, because I think you're right, Vic. I think, you know, Tommy Franklin and I have had that conversation. Keith Haney and I have had that conversation. You know, Keith feels adamant that it's going to be a Midwest car that wins. He's like, I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you hose the track down with water. It will be a car from the Midwest series that wins. I I know Tommy Franklin feels exactly the same way. And like he told us, I believe right here on the show, it might have been at the PRI press conference. Like, I want to win. But if for some reason I don't, I want it to be a PDRA car that wins. And that's what we, we wanted to create. I even thought, Vic, about getting like flags made for each sanction, like NMCA flags, PDRA flags, NHRA flags, like so that people can like walk up to the starting line with one of those big monster flags, you know, and wave the flag for their series if they so chose because create kind of that World Cup soccer environment. Well, and I think that as this race grows, like it should be, I think we'll see more involvement from those sanctioning bodies. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff that can come from it because it needs, we, you know, it's already become that, but it needs to turn into NHRA versus PDRA. And yeah, we can have divisions. And yeah, oh, yeah. That's how it needs to be. Um, be awesome. And it'll just, it'll just amplify the competition. And maybe we get to a point where we, we can, you know, open it up to more cars and stuff. And, you know, it'll get more, we'll get more creative as it goes on. And it's just going to get better and better and better. I like this I comment agree. here we have from uh, Steve Evans. 
whoever said the circus was the greatest show on earth apparently has never been to a good pro mod race. <laughs> and they sure as hell haven't been to this one. I, I, I got to tell you, there are cars here. The first round of the World Series of Pro Mod will be, in my opinion, more competitive and more intense than the final round of any Pro Mod race prior. I'm saying it right here. That first round will be dog eat dog. We're going to see red lights. We're going to see people leaving before the trees activated. We're going to see people, the, the nerves, the energy. It's going to be interesting. And you start to think about which one of these guys have been in that seat with those kind of consequences, right? Win the whole deal and get $100,000 or go home empty handed. Those yeah. are that is a tough, tough scenario to find yourself in. And you gotta you start running through this list and you start to ask yourself which how many of these guys have been in that position where it's all on the line. It, not everybody, not everybody. You know, there's gonna be some guys that are gonna have to rise to the occasion, and those are all the storylines that are gonna be so fun to see. That first round, man, we're gonna see 16 drag races on Sunday morning that I think change the sport of drag racing forever i genuinely believe it yeah i mean and the fact that you have to go five rounds too that's i, I love that i love that we're able to get so many pro mods that we can do a, a you know a 32 car field and it'd be like just fierce competition for five rounds because you've got to be a badass for five rounds like it's easier said than done 100 percent, 100 percent. vic thank you so much buddy i don't know if you want to hang out for a minute hang I, out, we, vic we, yeah, we got, yeah, okay, because yeah. we got we got a special guest here, and I, I can, on, I'll, I'll go off. All right, hey, thanks, T. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we just dropped the news. Uh, in case Jay hadn't heard, we've made it public um, that we Friday night at the World Series of Pro Mod will be headlined by a Titanic grudge race between Jay Cox, PDRA Pro Nitrous heavy hitter, and his famed and feared Pro Nitrous sixty nine Camaro, and Jim Halsey, four time NHR or PDRA Pro Nitrous World Champion, reigning defending World Champion. Uh, going in the Daddy Sharks uh, 68 Camaro, I believe. Uh, Jay, do you, do you think you got anything for, for Halsey and company? <laughs> yeah. Victor used to be my boy. He used to love me, but I see he's in love with Halsey right now. But uh, we'll get him back over there on the pumpkin. Victor, you remember that bad hot rod right you there? Know that's, you know that's my favorite nitrous car still to date. I say it, I'll say it in front of all these people. Yeah. All I got for Halsey is, you know what fiber sure is, don't you, Wes? <laughs> he needs to take a lot of fiber sure because that fall from the top is going to be rough for his old ass <laughs> i mean i like this confidence but you gave me a hard time and said that you that uh the nitrous cars couldn't run at the snowbirds and halsey like came and he pounds off of and, them, man. and halsey came and he proved you wrong he, he took like 50 pounds off of them too Leave him at twenty four fifty. He's the only one that could get light. Leave him at twenty four fifty and watch what happens. Did you see Jim's post last night? He it was Donald Trump holding up like a a law, whatever he just signed. It said uh, nitrous cars at twenty three seventy five for World Series of Pro Mod. <laughs> that's I that's mean, what Jim's I, wants. I, I get I get why he wants to do that. He don't weigh but one hundred eighty pounds. One day he'll get to shop in the grown man section for clothes. Up there <laughs> those grown men. I mean, I weighed two hundred forty pounds. I weighed two hundred ten in high school, but and it's tough. I mean, we've worked. I ain't gonna lie to you. Wes has about broke me getting titanium bolts and titanium brackets on the pumpkin. <laughs> I'm getting it as light as I can, but but and he wants to run fast. Nothing against him. They're they're at the top of the echelon right now with that deal. But you know. 2450 is what we race at all year, and I'm, I'm glad to see the weight there. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it is what it is. 
how how important it is it for you as a racer? I mean, you and I have had off the air conversations, but I mean, to go down here, you feel like there. I mean, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, Jay, but is there an opportunity for you to kind of go like stake your claim or you know win, lose, or draw? No matter what happens on Sunday, do you go down to an event like the World Series of Pro Mod, saying, "Hey, no matter what happens, they're going to know I was here." Absolutely, you know, everybody. I'm not saying nothing. You've done, y'all guys have done a heck of a job with that, with that deal down there, right? But everybody knows a nitrous car. Let's just be honest. We're being honest. Everybody knows a nitrous car is back against the wall, right? Um, yes, Halsey went down there, Victor, and done good at your race. I get that. One round, if Totoro or Salami had got to him, they'd out, they'd outrun in two hundreds, man. All I'm saying is, as a nitrous car, everything the stars have to align for them. So. Back to your question, when I show up down there, I'm not afraid to say it. I mean, Halsey's leading the pack for nitrous. Yeah, it's a, it's a motto, motto, me and him. I want to be faster, better, whatever you want to say it than him. You know what I mean? And he's put himself in a category by himself, working and doing all the things they have done over the last three or four years. Yeah. And does, is it, does it mean – I mean, that's a real thing. You and I have talked about this. Like, I mean, obviously we're not going to you – know, but you – there's there's some there's a riff there, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean there there ain't no there, we, we don't we don't eat Thanksgiving lunch together and we don't go to Christmas <laughs> and exchange gifts. I mean, but I ain't got nothing against Halsey. Um, you know, I, I'm straight up. I tell you how I feel, and uh, I want to tear his fucking head off every time I race him. And, and and when you said something to me about running him Friday night, I'm fine with that. I love it. Matter of fact, I'll run him. Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. I'll get there on Sunday and run him. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll run him all day long. I'm not the type of guy you get in a ring with and there's a split decision or or, or, or you knock me out. You're going to have to kill me. You don't, I don't, you beat my ass. I'm coming back and you can try me again. I will keep trying you till I get you. And that's just the way I am. That's the way I was brought up. What about some of these other guys that are going to be down there that you haven't gotten to race recently, like Stevie? We were talking about some of the old school uh, battles between you and I Stevie. Stevie was retired, man. Did Stevie <laughs> race? Yeah. All I see him do is fly an airplane and, and talk about all them guys over there in the NHRA. Does he still race? Yeah, he's coming out of retirement for World oh, Series. Yeah, right, yeah. We'll, I'll, we'll figure it out when Stevie gets down there. I, you know, the only thing I love Stevie, me and him go back and forth, I love I just wish he owned the nitrous car. I hate running against the blowers when the weight and the rules and all that ain't right. I just wish that he had a nitrous car and then me and him could bump heads like we used to. Is that what is the draw? I mean, kind of taking this to the PRA pro nitrous category. I mean, it's, I think that's what the Pat Muses and, and all these guys get so uh, fixated with is the opportunity to race against like combinations. So, I mean, I mean, I enjoy it because it, it you know, I have no problem admitting when someone beats me, and as long as they have the same stuff as me and they beat yeah. me, I have no problem. I'll just work a little harder, you know? Yeah, if I lose a race, I want it to just be that I got outran. Absolutely. I don't want it to be that, like, you know, I saw – like, if I mess up, that's fine, but, like, I don't want it to be that the guy just has more than me. Or, don't you think know, the thought ain't crossed my mind to buy a screw car. I have been <laughs> looking to buy a screw car. It's just, you know, at the point I am right now in my life with two young kids, do I want to start over and learn something like that and take my lumps and all that? I, I don't know, but don't think the thought ain't crossed my mind. How healthy do you think nitrous racing is right now, Jay? I, I think mean, it's as healthy as it's ever been, honestly. I mean, but how many cars show up to uh, PDRA Pro Nitrous Race? 
22 to 25. We had 30 at the last race. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. You know, the problem, the problem, in my opinion, the problem with the, with the whole nitrous class is the initial cost to get in that deal cost a lot. And it's took two or three years. The rules have been the same for five years now. It's took four or five years for the, and I consider myself a bottom guy. I don't consider myself a up top guy, especially financially. Um, but it's took that long for everybody to kind of get the same thing. The latest, greatest motor, the latest, greatest converter, the transmission. In doing so, these guys, the guys that are underfunded, the guys that are on the back half of the pole, they feel like they have a chance. That's all they want to show up. So now you've got, in my opinion, you have, you know, 10 cars, 12 cars that physically show up that has a chance to win. I mean, look at how many first-time winners of a race we had all year in Pro Nitrous this year, you know? I mean, there was four guys that never won a race a day in their life in Pro Nitrous and won a, a PDRA Pro Nitrous event. I agree with you. And we've, we've been to this kind of in this cycle before with nitrous racing, where it takes the jump from, you know, to from 706 to 728 and, and on up. And then it takes time for everybody to get on a level playing field. Then it seems like the next big thing happens five, three bore space, bill it, everything, whatever. And then you kind of got to start over. Are we looking at that again with, are we looking at this being kind of the cusp of the current combination? And then in a year or two, everybody's going to have new stuff. I don't think we'll ever see a five, four bore space. I know Haney had talked about it, but let's be honest. There's nothing to gain there. We are already heavy as you can get in one of these cars. Okay. We put a five, four bore space in it and we gain another 75 pounds. What's that done? We're never going to make the power we have to make to, to accommodate the weight that we're yeah. gaining. You understand? I think from here, nitrous racing, you know, PDRA opened up that cubic inch limit. I got mixed emotions. I don't mind it. I love stirring the pot up, kicking stuff, getting it going. But uh, I I just, you know, for me, I don't – I know what they're trying to do. There's a 200 gap there we got to fill with the blower guys. The blower guys don't want to put weight on. They won't want to slow down. We ain't got a lot to speed up. And, you know, I think that's what that's for because, I mean, Victor, I miss going down there and racing with you. You're a great guy. you got a great facility. You treat me good except when you park me in the mud down there, but uh, you treat me good and I enjoy, but it's hard for me to spend that seven or $8,000 to go down there to race for second place. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that's what Tommy, Tommy's a nitrous guy. Hard. He loves nitrous. I think that's what he's trying to do. And I think it'll be a good thing. I just hope it don't hurt some of the teams that just got that new 959 that can't buy a crankshaft and rods and hone it out in pistons, you know? So the, for those that don't know, Jay, can you give us a little bit of just insight and like background on what, what you're talking about? So basically, uh, a lot of the sanctions and series in drag racing, the World Series and Pro Mod uh, included, have allowed for these larger cubic inch engines to come in. That, um, But it seems, is it yet to be seen how much of an improvement they're going to be, right? I mean, we don't know if any of these things are even in circulation. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody that has one that has run Pro Nitrous. I know that they put a deck limit on it, 12.6, which I'm perfectly fine with that. And there's a bore space on it, um, 5.300. At that deck height with the camshaft and stuff, you're limited on the size of the crank you can put in it. I mean, 6.100 is probably big as you can go, and you're limited on your bore. I mean, 5.045, so you're going to make a 980 cubic inch motor. We're all running 960s. 
20 more cubic inch, two horsepower per cubic inch, 40 horsepower. I mean, shit, I'm going to lean mine down and put a little jet in it for that 40 horsepower. I'm going to put the crankshaft in it, you know what I mean? I mean, that's just the way I look at it. But basically, everybody's allowed nitrous to not have a cap on the cubic inch limit, just a cap on the deck pipe is all. And, and, and it is good. I mean, I love stirring it up in nitrous or whatever. Yeah, and I think that that, that class needs some something, some it sort of advancement. It needs. <laughs> it needs some sort of advancement. It needs something, you know, like. No, it's it, been 959 for for how long you know like if there's anything that we can do to to progress that class like he said the rules have been the same for like four or five years yeah hey jay bob harris says you've always had one of the bigger motors I he wish. said you, if i did he'd have always. really hated me <laughs> i was under cubic inch till uh i was honestly under cubic inch till probably the last three years you know i always ran something a little smaller because i liked a smaller board deal but even when I went from 940s to 960s, I mean, can I tell you I saw something? No, I can't. You know, anytime these things are these things are very temperamental. When you change one little thing on them, it takes you some laps to figure out what you changed, how much was it worth, was it worth anything. So, and the the, the change is going to be so minute, I don't know that we'll ever see it or be able to gauge it. But but I'm fine with it. Whatever they want to do. If I go It'll down there and somebody's see, got sure. one and they outrun me, I will figure out how to get one. I will. I will sell <laughs> I, that, that's what I think. Order. Yeah, I think we're going to see that at, at this event and at the start of the season. We're going to see who's got it, who doesn't. <laughs> Real quick, and let's just go around the room uh, quickly. I'm just curious – uh, just kind of thoughts on one of the things that we've, you know, I've been getting messages and, and Vic, I'm not sure how much of the, you're hearing about it, but you know, it's no secret that we have made an effort to slow down the cars yeah. at the world series of ProBot. I mean, that is a, that is a, a smart move. well, no, we, I'm just yeah, curious slow, because we've bringing everything back to the nitrous cars. Like what you were saying, Jay. And I know that that racers, everybody kind of reacts to that differently. Cause I've had a handful of people say, Oh, you're slowing us down. And it's like, man, let's be, honest. it has to be done. We're not in the best economy and the best racing situation that we've been in in the last 10 years. I've had rods ordered for a year. I ain't got none. I can get pistons. I can get rings, but I have to beg them, and, and they've charged me 30%, 40% more. The last thing you want to do, and I, I think racing as a whole is very, very healthy. A lot of new cars, a lot of new guys, a lot of fresh money in it. A lot of organizations is pumping money in it. Y'all pumping money in it. The last thing we need to do, in my opinion, is to try to go out there and make a pro mod class a 350 class. I don't care what nobody tells you. I know what it takes every time you speed one of these up 100. There's only a handful of people in the world that can afford to run at that caliber and that speed. And in my opinion... And, I, and I'm not saying, you know, slow them down, blah, blah, blah. I love going fast. I'll push the limits. I'll be the one staying up all night working on something in a heartbeat. But in my opinion, for the for the health of the class, I think y'all did the right thing because low 360s, mid 360s is where the class budgetly people need to be, in my opinion. Vic, what's your take? I mean, I because I I would just basically echo what he just said. I think that there's some no, real mean, truth to it. I agree. I think that once you start to see, you know, a couple combinations go 350s, um, it just it's not good for the the spirit of the class. You know, like I think mid 360s is like exactly where the class needs to fall, and I think that it's healthy there. Um, I think everybody can compete there, and you know, then it's a driver's race. You know, like that, that's it. And it's been proven though that like 
if you look at um snowbirds besides uh melanie salemi's combo everybody was you know i think from car number two to car number like 23 was like five hundredths of a second you know that's pretty good and we slowed her down or you know we put weight on her combination but if we can have you know between if we can have a 500 spread from car one to car 32 like that's good racing you know and first round every, everything is different first round of eliminations you know the, the guys that are going 365 in qualifying might break off a 363 and the guy who went 361 in qualifying might run a 363 and you know now it just comes down to the tree so i think it's you know 32 cars if they can be that tight i think it's good but i agree that for the health of the class and the spirit of the class mid 360s is where it needs to fall Mike, what's your stance on it? I mean, we are talking about grassroots. No matter how big World Series of Pro Mod becomes, no matter how successful any of these sanctions or series become or are currently, I believe the fact of the matter is that Pro Mod is the highest level of grassroots racing. And this is still a whole lot of do-it-yourselfers. This is a whole lot of self-funded people. Um, and we have to protect this community. Yeah, that and, and that's kind of my point. We've been here before. I see. I remember when four teams were where pro mod needed to be. Then four O's. Then three nineties and eighty and on and so on. And I kind of think we finally gotten to a point, uh, like Jay said earlier, where we're at like diminishing returns. Where any bigger engine, any any more anything really on any of these combinations, is not worth the game, and it's not worth it to try to push that envelope. I think we're getting to the point where racers are sort of opening up to the fact that maybe we do need a set of rules that are going to kind of keep us in check and keep us running in this same range instead of constantly trying to push the envelope. And I think the other thing is that sanctioning bodies or independent events like what we're having have to be willing to adjust the rules or to, to make sure you're maintaining that parity. I, if I could say anything from past experience, it's letting it go too far for too long, losing too many of your guys before you're willing to make a rule change. So I, I think it takes all those things, but this is sort of where we are. I mean, Vic, when you're saying those numbers, like between a 362 and a 365, I mean, ProMod really only recently got to that point. There used to be two, three hundred or, you know, two, three tenths between yeah. uh, the number one and number 16 qualifiers. And you had some guys that were, were, you know, way off the map and you had a couple hitters. And now it sounds like a pro stock class when you yeah. say those numbers. So uh, I think we are at a point where everything's gotten so tight, so competitive, so expensive that we have to have these kind of rules in place. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, and I just, I don't personally, Jay, is it hard? Does it get hard for you to like, because my argument, and this is, you guys may get tired of hearing me say it, but like we're drag racing. We're not land speed racing, right? Like if you're out to set your career best, go rent VMP or, or Bradenton and spend two weeks there, you know, and make a hundred runs and do it in, you know, whenever the air's killer or whatever. That's not what drag racing is about, in my opinion. When those moments happen, it's fantastic. When the stars and moon align and you can throw down a run and set a record, that's great. But I don't think that we have to measure every single drag racing event by whether or not the record was reset. I mean, we had Donald Long on here last week really open up about how that is a that's a race to the bottom. I mean, if every race is measured by whether or not you reset the record, A, the, the record becomes kind of meaningless because it changes so frequently. And there is a point where there's just nothing more left and you got to start over. I've always been that type of guy that was wide open, and I'll be honest with you, I had to change my whole mindset. And it was actually, it was actually, Charles, Michael's dad, and me had a long talk last year, and um, 
I had to change my mindset because I was the type of guy that wanted to go wide open all the time. But to me, I understand how and, – and that's where Halsey has kicked our tail for four years. I think me and Tommy run just as fast as him. Um, but consistency and being there round after round after round, no matter what throws at you. I mean, you go out there and you throw a big curveball in the middle of a race. You know, you go from cloud cover to sun. You go from 60 degrees to 90 degrees. That separates the men from the boys, and that consistency is not found shooting for the record every time. And all these guys talk about fast and this and that, and they're getting pumped up about your race. You mark my word on it, and you watch every car that shows up, and I know there'll be their cars there early, okay? But And I've paid a lot of attention to this, and I'm, I'm trying my best to be a better consistent racer. But you watch the car that shows up there on Monday, okay? I watched Halsey at the race he won for you, Victor. You know how many laps he made that week at your race? He made 32 laps from Monday to Sunday. You watch the car that shows up there on Monday, West, okay? Give me three cars that are consistently going down that racetrack fast. I ain't saying setting the world on fire, but fast. Those three race cars will be in the final at your race. And that's the difference to me. I take, you know, you outrun me 100. I, I take more pride now in my mindset going forward and winning races, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, where it's like for the longest time, and I think our sport, we're all like a little guilty because we put so much emphasis on breaking barriers, right? It's I mean, it's driven shot heard around the world. It's an ego-driven sport. That's what me and Art are, ego-driven. You know, I'm probably one of the world's worst at it. But but consistency in pro-mod racing, now that everybody has all this really good stuff, the good guys, the guys that get the notoriety, the guys that win are the consistent guys, not always the fastest guys. The best racers. I, I always say that. Like Halsey is is one probably the most experienced and best racer out there. And I feel like you know maybe I'm biased, but a lot of the best racers are nitrous racers because they've been doing it the longest. And just the, the uphill the battle. Smartest. Go ahead and say it. Yeah. The smartest. Except I'm, I'm not including you in this in this category. No, I'm just kidding. But it's uh, Jay. Jay. Jay is my stepbrother. If, I think if my dad could trade me in for Jay, he wouldn't trade you. I'm the stepbrother he, he, you always he, yeah. <laughs> They they talk more than me and my my old man do about this race. I love I love your old man. He's taught me so much, and he had a heart to heart talk with me. And he's like, "Look, you're fast, but let me tell you something." you focused on going down the racetrack every time you'd win more he's right and, and did you know did you know halsey made 32 runs in at your racetrack victor yeah no i mean i was gonna comment that i i don't want anyone to take this the wrong way but it'd be hard to argue that he didn't work the hardest out of oh, everyone absolutely. on the property that week for that win you know what i mean like you're not gonna get what you get you're not gonna get what you get and have the run he had and not work hard yes no th those guys I mean, they got there early. They made tons of runs. They rebuilt that thing, I don't know how many times, and put pistons in it and this and that. I mean, they earned it. They earned every bit of it. I think it was like a career-defining. I mean, Jim Halsey's had a lot of success. I mean, we're talking about a four-time PDRA champion. He's run first in the fives with a nitrous car, all these big moments, right? But I personally think that as – and that's – you know what? That's a fantastic thing to talk about because people maybe forget that this was the first guy to ever go in the fives with a door car, a nitrous door car. It was a historic moment. But if you're weighing those two accomplishments against one another, being first in the fives or winning the Snowbird Nationals, a five-round race against a slew of, uh, of combination – you know, when you're the number five qualified car out of all the different combinations there, you're the slowest. I think that was like 
a career defining moment for Jim Halsey and team Eric Davis, his whole Kathy Kraus. I mean, Brandon Schweitzer, Melissa, everybody involved with that program. But I think you're right, Vic. I mean, I, I don't you don't want to shortchange anybody else's effort. No, everybody. That, that was un. That, that's an yeah. unheard I think they of. They came down there knowing they were, they had full intentions of of that that week and weekend going that way. They came with enough parts. Well, they and, came and, with something to prove. Yeah, and that's you realize that, how much money it takes to make thirty-two passes. <laughs> most pro mod teams, just so you know, 000. most pro mod teams make ninety in a whole entire PDRA season. That man made a third of the pass in one week. Did anybody else made in front nitrous? It, it's nice, but that takes a lot of money to do that. I don't yeah. give a shit what nobody tells you. I've done it. Yeah. I stayed up all night knocking slugs in these things for years, and I'm just telling you, man, you make 32 passes in a nitrous car and you run as fast as they run, they eat parts. They eat parts like they're angry at you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you think that that's yeah. like, is that what we're going to see? Do you think the, the tale of the World Series of Pro Mod will be told during testing, Jay? No, but I tell you what you'll see in testing. You'll see guys push the limits they've never pushed before because of the hype of the race. That's what I like. That's what I don't want to miss. That's what I enjoy. I love watching people sweat. I love when you put pressure on somebody, a pressure. That's why I want to run Halsey. I enjoy it. I can look in his eyes and tell he's fucking nervous. And I love that. That's what I love. I mean, you want to see what gets me off when I played baseball? I loved it when the game was on the line, ninth inning, the bases were loaded, two outs, two strikes on me, and I look out there at the pitcher. He steps off the mound, wipes the sweat off his head, and I go, I got his ass. <laughs> and I love it. That's what I love. That's what. That's the small things in racing people miss. I try not to overlook it. But let me tell you how weird I am. I've never told nobody this. Every pitcher I faced in my college and pro ball career, I kept a book, a, a journal on them, how they pitch me and the situations they pitch me. I do that in racing. And I know the ones that can handle the pressure and not pressure don't bother me. I, I enjoy pressure because we, we find out what we're made of. We find out what we can take and the limit we can go to when we're under pressure. You know? Who's our uh, – don't give us all your secrets or, or spill your whole diary here, but who are your who are your top pressure racers? Because I, I agree with you that this race, the testing will say one thing, but you get to the final, you know, semis and final round of this race, pre the pressure – who can hold up under that man you want to know you want to know the truth about something and i shouldn't even say this because <laughs> i i want to choke his daddy probably like at least 46 times a racing season so i shouldn't say this but for some reason and, and like it don't matter like i try to get in people's heads i enjoy that side of racing it's fun to me it's a game it's like y'all play poker golf or whatever I, I enjoy it but for some reason i can't crack and I shouldn't even say it. I know I shouldn't say it. I'm going to catch shit about it. Internet will go. But I can't get in Jason Harris's head, man. And, and when you <laughs> called me the other day, West, I'm not going to say no more. That's why I was like, come on, man. Don't do this to me. You know what I mean? But he's just, he's always. I was trying to make him race Jason. <laughs> he was trying to make me race Jason. And I don't mind it. Oh, the Carolinas collide. The <laughs> Carolinas collide. Jimmy Cox versus Jason Harris. Party time versus the pumpkin. You know? And he's like, uh, uh. Anybody else I can read, he's a little <laughs> tough to read. But he's a tough to read. I'm going to be honest with you. He's tough to read because he don't care. I mean, he, he really don't care. Y'all remember, everybody forgets, but do you remember like six years ago when he won the championship and they bloated up every single run? Do you remember that? Yeah. I mean, listen, I've raced like that. Michael, y'all have raced like that some. 
if a man don't mind working at that, they don't care. And I mean, I've raced like that. I didn't care. I didn't care what it took. And, and, and am I going to still race like that? Yeah. You know, I, I made a lot of big changes in the last year. People don't realize that brand new car, brand new motor, brand new transmission, brand new drivetrain. It takes a lot of time to, to learn that. I had to back up because I spent a lot of money. I had to race budget friendly and figure out how to race with what I had. But I think, you know, I miss the old J. I miss the old J that talked junk, that bloated up. That I miss him too. You know, <laughs> and, and am I going to race like that more? Yeah, I probably will. But, but you know, at the same time, anybody that races like that, they genuinely don't care. And, and Jason raced like that. And he's, he's back to your, he's, he's tough for me to break, man. Anybody else I can have fun with. Win, lose, draw. Him, what what about, what, 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 give us one more. Maybe one that uh, runs a boost. No more, man. Yeah. Yeah, give us give us somebody in the boosted. Well, let me ask you this: like, what do you make of like some of these guys that have been? Because and these guys aren't people that you've raced with, but when you hear names like, and these are like in my world, they're like uh, these guys are like heroes. But think about like Jason Scruggs. Does a guy like Jason Scruggs? I I know. Scruggs, you got to remember something. When I race somebody, Jason Scruggs, right? Todd Tudoro, Ricky Smith, even Tommy Franklin. Those guys, to me, I grew up watching them race. I played baseball. So, like, win, lose, or draw, I don't. I, I get pumped up to do that. You know what I mean? I have more pressure on me racing somebody that I'm supposed to beat because I don't want to make a mistake. You know, I try to. Man, I check everything ten times. Whenever I race somebody like Jason Shrugs, I've talked to Jason Shrugs this week. I sent him a picture. When I race him, I go over there to the like far right hand side of the computer and I hit that wide ass open and whatever happens happens because <laughs> I know he's going to race that way. You know what I mean? And it gets me up. I'm good on the tree. I'm fired up. My drilling's running. I love racing people like that. But don't think I can't get in Jason Shrugs' head. Now I have. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's interesting to see because, you know, I've talked to guys like Jason Harris, one of the one of my all time favorite kind of like eye opening conversations that I had with Jason was right here on this show several years ago now. But he literally told me, he's like, man, I never raced with a clutch, you know, and you think about guy like all the, you know, Charles Carpenter and all these other. I mean, many of these guys, Todd Totoro, Jason Scruggs. I mean, they raced for years and years and years without ever, you know, with a clutch. But some of the heaviest hitters in our game. They just came in at a different time. They did. You know, and it's kind of interesting to me. I mean, I think you fall into that category. Yeah, he's Jace, never raced with You're a You're a converter guy. I, I, yeah, I've always had a – I had a street car that was bad that I started racing, but I, it was a clutch. But, no, I just I just fell into it, man. I just I just fell into it. I love it. Jay came into our trailer one time, and we had a clutch on the, on the table, and he walked up, and he just was looking at it like it was uh, a UFO. And he asked my dad – so how does this thing work? Show me. Show me how all work. I like, what does, what do these things do here? Like taking the clutch apart, all that dust over it. I'm like, I'm never going to work that hard. Then three years later, I got oil dripping out of my hair. My, yeah. my dad washes me off outside with a water hose. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, day at the Cox household. It probably <laughs> is. <laughs> probably is. Well, hey, Jay, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for, for all you're doing, man. Appreciate Victor, you, Mike, all that y'all are doing for Pro Mod Racing. I love Pro Mod Racing with all my heart, and I appreciate what y'all have done for it, man. Y'all kind of lit a fire under it, and I hope everybody's watching and everybody takes off with it, man. I really do. 
from your mouth to God's ears, brother. Thanks appreciate a bunch, it. man. We appreciate you more than you know, buddy. Stay you, out of man. trouble. I'm going to see you soon. You better save me some asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Talk soon, buddy. Oh, see my you, gosh. Vic, thank you so much for spending some time with us, man. I hope we didn't keep you too long. No, no, I mean, thanks it, for having it, me. Is anybody else like is wound like I'm going to say I'm like wound up like a physic woodpecker right now. I mean, I got uh, like hearing Jay say that and just I love talking about the human emotions because yeah. I do think that we're this is a unique environment where we're going to see what people are made of. I mean, we really are like table how good these cars run. Ta I mean, they're all fast. Right. There's not a slow car here. We're, they're all fast. These guys and gal, I mean, we're about to see human their metal personally. You know what I mean? And I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think I think that I'm most excited to like when when you get the rules right and you get the car like such good caliber of cars, it really becomes about the people. You know, it becomes about the, the tuners and the drivers and all that. And like that is what I'm most excited to see. Like, I want to see the human aspect of it and the competition amongst the humans, not the cars. That's what 100%. we're all about. We're all about the magazine itself is based around the human element of drag racing. Yeah. So yep. if, if we can get to that point where, where that shows through, then we've done something right. Yeah, we will. It'll be awesome. I agree. And it's just proof positive. Like, I understand that like the earliest, you know, the early belief system was that drag racing where the cars are the stars and it's that's never set well with me because I don't think that's the case at all. I think that the cars are like the vehicle and there's no pun there. Like that's the tool we use. Mm -hmm. But the, the stars are the people behind the wheel. Yeah, These like the, the stars are, are leaning over the keyboards. Yeah, yeah they're, they're the gloves. They're, they're, they're nothing. Yeah, yeah, they're really I mean, they have, you know, there's I think we and actually, honestly, this is one of the reasons that I get so frustrated with like where we're at as a sport, because, man, we got a lot of ammo here. I mean, you made a great point. Like we're a sport that has the opportunity to not only talk about our stars and our athletes and our heroes and our competitors, but we can also talk about the tools they use. And it's interesting. They're cool. They're unique. They're yeah. different. They're loud and crazy and all these things. That's not the case in, you know, stick and ball sports. They're not writing stories about bats. They're not writing stories about helmets. They're not writing stories about basketballs. Well, there's, you know? no, like, there's no technology advancement in basketballs like there is in transmissions and converters and blowers right. and computers. And yeah, no, I mean, our sport is one of the like coolest ones when you really get into the nuts and bolts of it. Like when you really dive into like every aspect of what makes these cars work, what makes these cars go down the track, the two that people don't understand, like what they go through to tune these cars. Like it's, they we get a blank computer and they make these cars run what they run. Like it's, it's incredible, but I said, I, that, get, I mean, I think it's incredible when they idle, like if you've ever been around, mechanics or cars or if you have any experience like inside the walls of a shop like victor's at right now i grew up in an auto repair shop and i know how much effort it goes into just getting one of these things to idle you know what i mean like get it to start and stay running right get it to start and, and back up from a burnout or go up on the trans brake without backfiring and belching and stumbling it's this is hard and to think about where we're at right now where these things fire right up on the first crank they idle kill i mean it's an amazing feat to get these things to run and stay together, let alone cover the eighth of a mile, two city blocks and 200 miles and at 200 miles an hour. It's unbelievable. It really is incredible. And you, you make another you make a great point. Where else in any other sport that we were just talking about football, baseball, basketball? And I'm not trying to you know, create a, a, a shitstorm here, but like Melanie Salemi versus Jason Scruggs, like if that she, that you can't really make there's no way to create a level playing field but on the drag strip 
everybody's equal. Young, old, no matter race, creed, color, background, we're all equal behind the wheel of one of these cars. And I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. Pretty powerful yeah. thing. Yeah. And like, we have no idea. Like, I think about it all the time and people ask me, like, I have zero clue who's going to win the U.S. Street Nationals. Literally. There's 50-something cars and just Pro Mod. Any one of them can win. Yeah, it's too it's too tight. Like we were talking earlier cool. about the spread from one to yeah. sixteen or one to thirty-two. It's too tight to even predict. Yeah. Any one of those cars can go out there and win. It just who who's the best under pressure, who's the yeah. best consistent racer, those things. That's what we need to see more of. I think we see that a lot at your races, Victor, and we're hoping to continue that with ours. One hundred percent. Vic, get back to work, buddy. Thank right, you so much for guys. the time. Tell everybody hello and uh we'll we'll talk soon, brother. All right, see you guys. All right, see guys, give it up. Vic Alvarez, Bradenton Motorsports Park. Mike, man, we're down to the nitty-gritty, dude. I, I want to take a moment real quick and remind everybody that the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to Redline redlineoil.com really excited about redline's involvement with the world series of pro mod kind of you know piggybacking on all of our you know combat sports inspired uh, decision making i'm really excited about this redline oil race day performance bonuses when mark Beatty and i got together and started chopping it up and throwing ideas around about how to get redline involved with world series one of the things that I said to him is that I'd love to see it spread around a little bit. Like our purse goes all to the winner, but this the money that Redline's putting into the race, like let's spread that around. So we're going to reward five different competitors, six actually, uh, on Sunday. We'll have best burnout, uh, low ET uh, of race day. We'll have top speed of race day. We're going to have best race where the, the prize money will be spread against uh, two competitors. It's a, I think this is the type of thing, best reaction time. So it's just a great way to reward people outside of the winner's circle cool and i love i love companies brands human beings mark Beatty and company that are willing to try something different yeah because yeah. it'd have been easy mark, to throw a low, low qualifier bonus at it now nah, yeah, let's, mark's, let's do mark's leading the way with that stuff and uh his his kind of idea of putting the people first he's like that as well he likes to lift everyone up and everyone will win and as we we're kind of just embarking really on our sponsorship sales for this race and i think we're going to get a lot more involvement with companies uh with product and things so it's going to be a lot more than just winner take all. We're going to have something uh, kind of a great package for everybody that's participating. Agreed. That's the goal. Like where I want this thing to be eventually. And then I think it can happen relatively quickly is I want accepting an invitation to the world series of pro mod. And I believe we're, we're almost already there. Like in some regards, I want it to be a season of something that happens that makes your year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like JT, I don't know if it's like in golf, like you win a tournament and it just kind of makes your whole year. You get a killer, you play one killer. And I just want the simply set, accepting that invitation. I want that to be a huge victory. I mean, and I'm really proud of it. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the nope. amount of content we've created <laughs> for the World Series. Of, I mean, some of these racers, I don't mean to be whatever, like blow smoke, but they've gotten more ink and more publicity in the last two months for simply agreeing to go to a race than they have in the last two or three well, Jay, years. Jay just said that. And Jay's one of the most outspoken or prominent personalities in nitrous racing or pro mod racing. And he even says that. So yeah, it's, it's been really cool and it's exciting to see the appreciation and sort yeah, of the involvement man. from the, from these guys when we start to promote them. So uh, really cool, man. And as we, 
we're only like what seven or eight weeks out. At seven this point. weeks, bro. Seven That's scary. Weeks. It's scary. Alicia said something to me about like, oh my god. She's like, uh, we're doing these Wednesday morning conference calls with our whole event team, and Alicia goes, well, you've only got like you know six more of these meetings. And I'm like, whoa, please don't don't say that again. Don't come loud. with that. Like, negativity. don't come with that. I can't think about only having six more conversations before the race is actually here. I don't know. It's okay. Just grab a checkbook and show up. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I mean, shit, that's what we do. We figure shit out. Man, we do a lot of figuring <laughs> shit out. That's for sure. And, you know, and that's something that I hope, you know, it's such a effort when Nancy, um, our controller, I kind of call her our CFO here at Drag Illustrated. When we start breaking these things down, and I really, and you start thinking about how much everything costs, you look around our industry and I hope this is a community and a group of people that really need to like take stock of the situation we're in because NMCA, putting on one of those events, putting on an entire series, traveling all over, NHRA, PDRA, Midwest, all the Northeast, and I'm leaving obviously tons of people, but this shit is so crazy expensive. You know what I mean? It is, everything is expensive. Everything, and everybody's got to get paid and every person that's on the property. And it's just me and JT. Yeah, especially you two. (laughs) Um, It's just, it really is incredible what it takes. And that's what I see in other sports and i think that it's driving so much of their success is just there's big money's being spent you know what i mean like when i look at the things that inspire me and when i when i get go down a, a wormhole on the internet um looking at i mean over like the daily, weekend right which is like daily sunday i watched the opening sequence of every wrestlemania ever all of them I watched every single one of them. I found a video on YouTube that was like the opening sequence. You know what I mean? Like from well, 1985 somebody, till today. You know, crazy. It. Well, what's you more crazy than you watching is that somebody put that together. Yeah. Can you imagine the work that took? But it was crazy. You know what that means, Mike? That means that it's got like a list of shit we got to do. Oh, I know. I get, scared. I get scared shitless yeah. when I hear it. When you guys see this 29-page uh, production comments. Oh, you know, Tucci's on here? Yeah. Hey, Al, the... ca- call my wife back. She's trying to book your flights and stuff, bro. Oh, yeah. Private plane. I remember. Yeah, I got a Al place. Alleg- yeah. yeah. His demands are for, outrageous. For free. And now, now you got to fly him in. Yeah, you, people don't realize flying Al private from Chicago to Braid to Sarasota. This expensive, man. You know what I mean? A small, even the small jet that we get for Tucci, it's $1,500 <laughs> an hour. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, geez, Louise, it's so expensive. But Al gets what Al wants, right? So right. he tells me that he wants to fly private from Chicago to Sarasota. And I'm like, I don't really know how to say no to this request, you know? So we take care of it, you know? He it's- sent me a text yesterday. I read it in his voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, he went off on something, yeah. Super <laughs> excited about When you guys see my 29-page uh, production notes here, you're going to really hate me. But seriously, watching how the WrestleMania evolved, like 1985, it's literally Vince McMahon in the center of the ring in a tuxedo. Welcome to WrestleMania. And then the next year, they added a little pyro, right? Or in like two years later, they added like pyro. Like a black cat. Ping. Yeah. And then like, yeah. And then two or three years later, they started to add some pyro and lighting. And then it was a few years later, it was pyro lighting and music. Right. And you just to see the evolution of that. Something tells me we're not going to get the luxury of starting at the 1985 level. We're going to we're going to like skip all that. Twenty twenty one. You sound like Alicia. Yeah. She always tells she's like, Wes, um, you don't have to start 
at the, but I get really, she, we have like, that's the only thing we have like any like conversations about. Cause she's like, you can't just, you can't start at the top. I'm like, what do you mean? Yes, you can. Like I've seen, I, I know what I want. She's like, well, what if we just, what about saving that for 2024 or 2025? And I'm like, well, what if I die? I want to do it now, you know? And she's like, well, you got to have like, surely, you know, just wait. I'm like, no, you only get one chance at a first impression. We got to do it all right now. Uh, so yeah, JT, I got to, you still got those, uh, those PV black widow, uh, speakers. Can you throw those in your bag and bring them with you? Yeah. <laughs> when you guys see the stuff, if anybody looked at my browser history, you just, go into like seizure like eyes roll back because i mean i'm googling stuff mine too probably jt yeah. blink twice <laughs> blink twice if we're in danger yeah due to world <laughs> like three maybe even yeah uh, world series bromide uh preparation hey i saw this funny thing before we go uh i forget maybe it was on instagram or something would you rather have your browser history leaked to the world or your text messages neither they they chose browser history i think i would chose i think i would choose browser history too mike what about you yeah probably so i mean there's there's too many personal things in your text messages that you can't undo right yeah but anybody that knows me knows that i'm pretty big on i don't like having shit in writing very much like i just had i've seen it held against people so many times that I typically I'm like very like when I talk to young folks or whatever and I see them sending these like and I, I liken myself a young person, but I find myself in situations a lot where I'm like tasked with giving advice or someone wants to know what I think about something, which still to this day is very humbling. But like I see him banging out this like 7000 word text message and I'm like, send that to yourself, get it out of your system. Um, yeah. Or just delete that shit because wait till tomorrow. It is, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. inevitably how, going how to get those? sent to somebody or yeah, yeah. screenshotted. How many of those have we typed or like I'm bad about on Facebook? I, I'll see somebody. I'm like, oh, I'm going in I'll type on this. And then I'll delete it. And then I'll go. And by the time I've no. written it, yeah. it was like, no, I, I should probably delete this. It's, yeah, I'm that's what I get like two glasses of wine in me, 10, 10 o'clock at night tired or whatever and i'll be like scrolling on facebook or something i do the same thing i'm like oh this i'm going to well and everybody on everybody reads a, a text or an email or something different you know yeah, you, there's so, context so, matters yeah, so you don't think you don't think that you're you're coming off you know uh like an asshole or something but the person reading it you know they're taking it like that because you of some some somehow you worded it different you know and so they're you taking to be it, really they good it different with emojis. or you got yeah or that. yeah or somebody has typed it in all caps and then they're complaining to their manager that, that dude you I screamed mean, like, at them and you're like no he's 70 he didn't realize <laughs> that that means anything you know like well i mean and i'll tell alicia will have like somebody send her and she's gonna be mad at me for like airing this out but she'll have someone like send her a thumbs up and she's like what the what's that mean and i'm like jt jt bro it K. means thumbs up you JT know what i mean it doesn't mean yeah. anything you know I but if you that. look at it like it, they're not it's i think okay. it's so funny because some of those emojis it's not like they're going <laughs> no they're just you'll like send, giving you a you'll, thumbs you'll up send like, a massive okay. detailed important text to jt and you'll get a k back that's all you need or you'll Take say hey of. jt yeah. do you want to do the graphic for today's show or me and he'll say yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah what yeah, yeah you're doing it or yeah i need to do it yeah you know what i mean like <laughs> I thought I thought of yeah with the graphics. So yeah, you, you know, so, yeah. fortunately, yeah, it was self-explanatory there yeah. shortly thereafter. I, I tell people that all the time. I especially hate bad news text messages. Like, hey man, just call me. 
Like if we're going to fight or if we're going to have some big argument, like let's at least let's forego the chicken shit text message back and forth thing. And let's just have it out. If it's if it's if it's a conversation where, you know, it's going to be it's going to take a while, you know, to talk about just call somebody. You you can call them and have it done within a minute and a half. What's going to take you an hour and a half of going back and forth in text messages. I've usually got too many things going on at the same time. Like, I don't have time. If you call me, I'm just going to look at my phone until it stops ringing. And then you can text me or email me (laughs) because I'm texting and emailing. That's why I call you back. Yeah. You know, like, uh, if I get two calls back to back, I'm like this son of a bitch. All right, I'll answer. Well, it's just easier <laughs> if it, you know, if it's ridiculous to sit here and keep typing and typing and typing and back and forth. And I guess who I missed a phone call from. I'm gonna air this out on the internet. Who I missed a phone call from while we've been on the phone or while we've been on the show. There's no telling, dude. The Iceman. Oh shoot. Shannon oh, Jenkins. You're right, Jim. 3:28 p.m. I missed a call from Iceman. That's how it's on the phone. What do you think he wants? Call him back on air. No, I don't do that. Okay, well. Why? Yeah, well, what if he's telling me something bad? <laughs> uh, he's calling me. He wouldn't text. He'd call. Grown man. Um, well, I am going to find out what's up because, oh, I wonder if Shannon wants to come to the race. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a big Shannon fan, though, are no, you? No, not at all. No, he's, I mean. Change your underwear and come back. No, I like, <laughs> it, it kind of goes like uh, Jesus Elvis, Shannon, you know, and then, you know, I can't even like Kanye anymore. Like homeboys yeah. ruined it for me. Gonna get canceled along with. Yeah, it. I know. It's like, dude, why do you? Because I've been like the biggest Kanye West fan. We know. <laughs> for a long <laughs> time. Yeah, biggest Kanye fan on the All right, So we'll, we'll let everybody know things. next week. We'll open the show with what did the Iceman want? And we'll see, the we'll see what's happened. We'll see what's happened since then. I, I love dude. A lot of these guys are recent. Scotty Cannon free. is a resurfacing. He's he's back in good health. We saw him at the PDRA banquet. He's resurfacing. Uh, we're hearing from Tommy Gray. What's what we're hearing from a lot of these guys? A lot of the original guys. Tommy oh, Gray's geez. back. Tommy Gray, Tommy Gray's back. He's coming to. We're gonna drop that soon. He's coming to World Series. I told him. I said, Hey man, I didn't plan on talking about this. We haven't really done this, but. You can't have the World Series of Pro Mod without the Undertaker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's one of the guys to use my fa- my phrase. He leans into it. Like he understands that there is a showmanship responsibility. I mean, Mike, did you race against them in the IHR when they had the big Grim Reaper deal? Oh yeah. Like that he, that guy. I mean, you got they played the the funeral music or whatever whenever he came up to the water. Yeah, I mean, they were like uh, the Alan Pittman deal too. The when he had it, yeah, that was a that was an awesome deal. We were actually raced against uh, Tommy when he had his bad wreck uh, at Darlington a, a few yeah. years ago. They kind of put him yeah. on the sidelines. I think he busted up his ribs and everything. We were at that we were race. There, I think huh? we were the. I think we were the. Yeah, race. we were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were there. It was a good event for you guys. Great event. <laughs> Solid awesome, weekend man. for for us. Yeah. Solid Great. weekend for Team DI. Great weekend. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, moving on. <laughs> but that was a that whole uh, I mean, I just do love because I he's like one of the Tommy Gray and the Undertaker card. They're like one of the exceptions to the rules or to my rule where they have that card does have an identity. I think Big Chief and the Crow. That's another example. Murder Nova and his car. Like, I mean, they've done a great job in with Street Outlaws, No Prep King, like marrying up those things. Because don't you remember there was a rumor not that long ago that I, it was right after Lizzie crashed Bonnie, the 69 Camaro, and she was looking for another car. And I think she was going to like try to rent rent a ride from somebody, but it was a Mustang. Maybe Manny's, and, wasn't it? 
It might, yeah. It, yeah well, well, and yeah. I think Manny was willing to like l- make yeah, it like happen for them, Manny Bajinga. Um, <clears throat> and they, but Sam Corcus and the team at Pilgrim Studios, and they're like, hey, no, 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 we can't have her now driving like a bright red Mustang. Like that, that doesn't work. Um, and I just, I appreciate that because there's not a ton of, because one of my big we, arguments. We've lost that. We've lost, we've lost a that. lot of that. We've lost that. Jay is a great example of that. Another though, one as well. He's yeah. one, you know, he said he's going to go get a screw car, but the nitrous. Uh, the pumpkin, the orange 69 Camaro, that's become pretty iconic. A lot of these guys change paint schemes, cars, combinations so much. There's, it's really hard to hold on to them. You know, they may, they may have actually made that call because they didn't want to see Fred up there in the invitational too. So. <laughs> well, so. I wasn't. I mean, you know, like, a lot, yeah. lot goes I'll, into those those decisions yeah. probably. No, nobody. Yeah, that would have been a problem for everybody involved. I think, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, I'm really excited to see Manny in, in pro mod competition. I think that we're at a point in time right now where so much talent is arriving in pro mod simultaneously. You know, like I just got off the phone um, earlier this morning and kind of got word on some of like Marty Robertson's plans for 2023. I mean, this dude's going to be running every pro mod race on the planet, you know, and I mean, just some of these new people, Jay said it, like fresh money, fresh people um, coming into the sport, an influxion or an influx of capital that I think will benefit everybody, you know, or behoove everyone involved. There's a lot of, and then like the people coming back, kind of like to your point, Scotty Cannon. I mean, what, what do you make of that? Like, is that, because I, one of the things that I ran into, especially with the invites for the World Series of Pro Mod, is I had to like remind a handful of people that this isn't, we're not trying to do like a Legends reunion tour. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that there's not an op, that there may be room for that in the industry. I actually think maybe there is, but that's not what this is. And we have to be careful because chasing yesteryear and chasing these, you know, ghosts of drag racing past, um, I think it could get you in trouble. Yeah, I but it's cool, though, too, because you get to see if, if they've still got it. You know, yeah, and they, I agree. And they line up and, against your, your favorite now compared yeah. to your favorite but like, then. Let me ask you this. And this is like just... And, and Scotty's also, by most measures, the GOAT of ProMod. So yeah, I think Scotty is like an exception to the rule. And I actually had this competi- conversation with Bobby Bennett from Competition Plus recently. that Because he was asking me, like, what happens if a guy like Scotty gets a car... And, want, and wants to run in the World Series of Pro Mod. And I'm like, well, he gets to run in the World Series of Pro Mod is what happens. You know what I mean? But I think that's that GOAT status. You know what I mean? When you get you reach a certain point, when you kind of get special Shannon. privilege. Who there's do you only, think are those guys? There's only a handful. We, we, we did that a few. We did the top five. Those are the top five. All, of all Bobby time. can research, research it for us now. He's got a lot of time on his hands. Now the Who's Bucks that? are out. Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Oh, now that the Bucks have lost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. How about them Cowboys, man? Yeah. Oh. Dallas held it down Monday night. That was impressive. I don't think any, I don't even think people in Dallas expected that, to be honest. Like, oh, I did. No, no one did. I did. Yeah. JT did? did. He called it. He told oh, me. He goes, I yeah, think they're you bet crush on it. Them. JT bet on it. Oh, yeah. You make some Bucks money. Are Bucks were awful this year. They really looked bad. Man. I will say that, that Carolina would have done a better job in that game against the Cowboys. They should have been in there. Probably so. I think they would have done. All we had to do was beat Tampa Bay two weeks ago, and it would have been a whole different story. But such is life. Yeah, not a Chiefs fan. Yeah, what do you do? 
All right, guys. Well, hey, I want to uh, thank you both for being here. Thank everybody for tuning in. Great show. Great group of people. Very excited, uh, obviously, about the fast-approaching Drag Illustrated World Series of ProMod. If you haven't already logged on to worldseriesofpromod.com and gotten tickets, I would encourage you to do so. VIP will sell out. We're almost there now. Um, I actually think we're going to sell out of all tickets. That's kind of the way it's looking. Which Somebody is asked earlier how are ticket sales looking, and they're looking really, really good, especially this far out. I think it's... Uh, uh, probably in uncharted territory this far out so it's uh yeah i don't want to i don't want to like brag or anything but uh i do think that <laughs> we're we're any um i think we are dude i mean like right now we've got people coming from i mean it's almost unbelievable to look at i mean there are people from six countries so far 42 states 42 different states um i mean there's people coming from puerto rico all over Canada, Alaska, Hawaii, um, all over Europe. A lot of people from uh, the United Kingdom, some people from Norway and Sweden and Finland. Um, Missouri. Yep, there's people coming from Missouri. It looks like we've got one, a few from South Africa. Um, yeah, man, people are coming from around the world to be a part of this deal. And it's almost, uh, what is this, 198 different cities, I think, or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it's just, it's kind of incredible to think about some of these metrics, huge shout out to the FOAT, Michael and the guys at the FOAT.com. They've really been an invaluable partner in this whole deal. Just the amount of data that we're able to get our hands on. It's very, very, it changes the game. It they really, really does. They, they FOAT our boat. They FOAT oh, our boat. Boy. You know, oh, they FOAT our boat. Wow, That's wow. a new tagline. Womp womp. All right, guys. Well, hey, thank you so much for visiting uh, with us, sharing the gospel of drag racing. Remember to click like, click share, click subscribe. Help us spread that gospel. And uh, we'll see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the Drag Illustrated Facebook page and YouTube channel. Guys, thanks a bunch. Thanks to all of our guests today, Camry Caruso, Jay Cox, Victor Alvarez. Look forward to seeing each and every one of you down at v BMP this spring. Appreciate you guys. Later. See y'all. Drop my pen. Pencil. Pin drop. Pin, Pin drop. drop. Where did I drop it? Where did it go?